Welcome to the Fire Breathing Kittens, a standalone Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Every episode is a separate, complete adventure, so you can listen to them in any order. Today, we are joined by Cade. How's it going? Cade is a slender half elf with very fair skin, shoulder length white hair, and bright red eyes. And Olive. Hi, everybody. Olive is a bipedal crocodile. She's standing on two feet and holding nothing in her hands because she's a monk. Level 11, like everyone else here. She's a way of the open hand monk. And Boltzmann. Hi. Boltzmann is a level 11 multi-class artificer wizard. And the only thing left of his once human body is a brain in a glass jar, which is rolled around on a uh, wheeled contraption. At the top of the contraption, there's a thick lid with two mechanical arms coming out. The eyes are still attached to the brain and swivel around, bobbing in a viscous liquid. You are all in the Fire Breathing Kittens Guild Hall. The guild is a large building with a bar, a sitting area with wooden tables and chairs, and a wall with a corkboard and job flyers posted. Today, there is only one job flyer posted. Where are you guys at in the guild hall? What time of day is it? It is bright and early in the morning. You hear a rumbling in the janitorial closet. The door opens and um, he rolls out accompanied by a robotic chimpanzee. He says, uh, By God, Mr. Langley, it appears that uh, they've mistaken us for janitorial equipment again and stored us in this closet overnight. <laughs> well, please uh, go fetch me a paper while I dust myself off a little bit. And he rolls toward the table and... Um, Orders a cup of coffee. Wonderful. Cade, where are you at? Cade is just now realizing that the uh, sun has finally risen as he lifts his head from the table and moves his the empty mug from his hand and uh, just leans it down and looks around to see who all is uh, present and around and looks to the nearest person just asking, uh, uh, what time is it? So the nearest person is the bartender who is passing. To get that cup of coffee and she says it's it's morning you've been here all night i'm assuming you slept okay because you didn't move uh, morning uh what 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 day is it tuesday wait we are not supposed to sleep here Two. Oh. oh god well i guess it's time to get to work I just, Cade just begins to like look around for anybody he can, um, you know, wrangle in for a uh, quick and dirty party. So he um, begins to look around. Olive, where are you at? The door to the guild hall opens and Olive Mudo, refreshed and not having slept in a janitor's closet or on a table, walks <laughs> into the guild hall. She goes to the jobs flyer and reads what's on the board. On the board is a Old Olive, you would recognize this. Old Purple Boot Theater Flyer. And on the back is scribbled, There's a ghost in our theater. Can you come and take care of it? And it's not signed. The last time I talked to Punnett, she said she hoped she never saw me again. So now she's hiring me to take care of a ghost in her theater. So I'm like, mm-hmm, Punnett. <laughs> she probably forgot that she thought that about me because she she doesn't keep very good notes. She doesn't know that she's hiring you yet. <laughs> She'll find out soon. <laughs> It'll be a welcome surprise. Boltzmann rolls up and um, 
sees the flyer and says, Yes, a chance for a job at the theater. Now I knew an adventuring day could start off well, but perhaps I will get a chance to use my performative muscles for once in a while. You see, Olive, this body was built to dance. Do you start dancing? Uh, sure. Please start dancing. Boltzmann will uh, start dancing. He will motion toward Mr. Langley to get at the castanets <laughs> and uh, a little uh, a little ukulele, and he will start dancing. <laughs> I guess I roll for that, right? Performance, please. Oh, jeez. That is a 16 plus 3, a 19. <laughs> you are dancing brilliantly. I feel like you're flowing through whatever styles that exist in the world, even some that maybe nobody's seen before, and they all look all tied together. <laughs> yeah. After the dance, uh, Boltzmann lowers his arm sullenly and says, Yes, this body was built to dance. But there has been a change in plans, and adventuring is more lucrative, I guess. Also, I'm just a brain now, so this is the only way I can get around. Kay just hears the word lucrative and immediately, like, saunters over and, like, I'm in. Whatever it is. Although there is the fact that this this is a theater company, so I'm not sure where they would get the money to, to pay us our adventurous fees. Let's go find out. Perception check from everybody. I got a 16. 25. Oof. 14. Boltzmann and Olive, you hear a tentative knocking on the guild hall door. Very soft. Very tapping. What is this? A new development? Boltzmann rolls over to the door to open it. In front of you are three young children. A half-elf standing in the front looking very happy, even though it is kind of early in the morning. A small fire genasi looking around kind of sketchily. And a young fear bulk hiding behind her hands. And the one in front says, Hello, we're with the Sea Scouts, and our wagon kind of lost its driver. The fire-breathing kittens are supposed to help people. Can you help us deliver our cookies? Um, Olive, I am new here. Is this the type of job that we typically do? I guess so, right? We do all the jobs. Sure. Hey, kids, and Olive, a five-foot-ten crocodile, gets on her knees so that the kids aren't terrified. (laughs) And says, hey, kids, why aren't you in school? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, miss, it's Sea Scout Delivery Day. We don't have to go to school, and we're kind of orphans, so our schooling is subpar at best. But we have to deliver all these sea snaps, dragon thins, alpha logs, and pixie dreams. Orphans, I see. Well, I suppose then you will use our help. How about this? I will fit your cart with an automated engine so you can go about your deliveries faster than ever before. That sounds wonderful. But also, we need an adult supervision, which is kind of ironic because, you know, we're orphans. We don't get that because we have to go into the uppity neighborhood and that Miss Upperton doesn't like us. (laughs) Miss Upperton doesn't like you? No, she says orphans are dirty. I see. It would seem to me that we should... Solve this problem by taking it out by the roots, you know, and take out this Miss Upperton. <laughs> yes, let's go kill that lady. I'm down. Let's do it. 
All right. Join us, kids. <laughs> Would this solve your problems, children? If we do it quick, we might even have time for the ghosts. <laughs> Let's go make some ghosts and then get rid of some ghosts. Sounds like a good day. <laughs> Full service. Who are you going to call? <laughs> I'm really getting... <laughs> the DM is broken. Okay. Um, <laughs> the the leader kind of points at a wagon that's sitting behind them, and there's a horse, like, tied to it. And, of course, there is no adult driver. And she says, Well, mister th- and, and Miss Alligator, this is our cart. Can any of you drive? Can any of us drive? I guess we get to work fitting it with an automated engine, right? <laughs> Bozeman, uh yeah, his, his body is like um, kind of mutative and uh, his hands retract and like uh, a set of tinker stools comes out. <laughs> Let's go about automating this horse, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I think that's going to be a check of some kind. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, a tinker stools check? Are they a proficiency guess- check, maybe? Yeah, I guess that would be Tinkerstool, so that may be intelligence plus proficiency. That works. Oof, that is a 26. <laughs> oh, you automate it. <laughs> <laughs> it is automated. So do you, like, turn the horse into some kind of steampunk thing, or do you just automate, make, like, an automated driver? Yeah, I guess at the first, uh, Boltzmann is kind of stumped since... Um, a horse is already kind of automated, right? Like it's an intelligent creature that uh, goes where it needs to. But then he starts to see the opportunities that uh, might come with his horse in ways in which it could be augmented. So uh, by the end of it, it's got like uh, a cyborg eye and like power armor on and, and two rockets strapped to its back. <laughs> the, the leader looks at you and just goes, Wow, mister, this is really cool. Thank you. Can you come help us with Mrs. Upperton? Sure, children. How much weight does this cart of yours hold? Well, it used to be a plague cart, so I think a lot. (laughs) Yes, let's carry the cookies in the plague cart. I said used to. These poor kids. We've got to introduce them to the HHO, Heights Helps Orphans. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what the HHO means? It's one of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'd heard tell of them, but I thought they were more nefarious. Anyway, let us get on this cart. Let's see how many of us fit on here. So what's your sitting order? Is anybody sitting up front? In the middle behind? It's like an open air cart. Oh, like the My Cabbages cart? Kind of, yeah. Yes, yes, (laughs) kind of, yes. But bigger. I I think the orphans should sit in the front. I want to to see whether they can control the new automated horse. (laughs) Yeah, I guess they're going to have to roll for that, huh? (laughs) I give them a remote control. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask... What was pulling the cart prior to the uh, automated horse? A regular horse. Okay. I just pictured a bunch of orphans, like, pulling the cart around. (laughs) No, they had a horse and a driver, but like the orphan said earlier, the driver kind of fell off the wagon. Gotcha. (laughs) But don't. Been there, done that. (laughs) I hope to do that later tonight. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is amazing. Great job, Boltzmann. And I sit in the back, and with my feet, I, like, kick slightly above the ground. Yeah? Cade, where are you sitting? 
Um, Cage's looking for an area to uh, possibly lie down, but since he doesn't really see one, I'm just going to sit on the back with my feet dangling off the backside. Cool. Hey, we're right next to one another. High five. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to keep you from eating the cookies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, this is a cart full of cookies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's good you're here, because, see, if we're both here watching each other, neither of us will eat the cookies. Yes. So you'll keep me from passing out and falling off, and I'll keep you from eating the cookies. <laughs> Good. Teamwork. Yes, teamwork makes the dream work. Boltzmann, are you sitting behind the front of the cart? I suppose so. Uh, Boltzmann is kind of keeping an eye on the children, but he's also engrossed in a newspaper and uh, drinking a cup of coffee given to him by Mr. Langley. So he's kind of multitasking. Wonderful. And also tr- trying to make conversation with, with, with Kate and Olive. How How do I make it? go do i just go yeah and she like whips the the <laughs> reins on the cyborg horse no 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 don't shout yeah <laughs> that activates thermo mode we're not on a highway <laughs> and it takes off down the road <laughs> <laughs> uh so as you're you, quickly you press the nos button <laughs> going down the road and people are the three children are laughing in glee they think this is the best thing ever um and people are you know diving out of the way we got a couple wilhelm screams going on um <laughs> what do you guys talk about <laughs> so uh, the purple heart theater company was it purple boot purple boot why is it named thus we'll have to ask punnett when we get there very well um, Cade leans over to uh, to Olive and says, uh, "Can you uh, can you remind me again? Are we which way is the theater? Are we heading anywhere close by?" Olive definitely remembers that. Yeah, she tells you those directions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about ten minutes from the guild. I must say, I am glad that you are not phased by the speed at which we are traveling. <laughs> it's about ten minutes away from the guild, Olive. It's ten minutes away from the guild. <laughs> uh, how far away is it um, by by uh, automated horse cart? You guys are passing it now. Five minutes have passed. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, there it is. It's right there. Hi, I, uh, I, I say whoa? Question mark to the children at the front. Uh, they call out whoa. Does that stop the horse? <laughs> They're just copying. <laughs> They're children. No, 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 no. You're putting it in reverse mode. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. <laughs> uh, how do I stop this thing? Pause. Pause, horse. Pause. And the horse stops in front of the theater, which seems all of the last time you saw this, it was a little more run down, but it seems like someone has fixed up the front a little bit better. And there's posters advertising a new show. I remind everybody that Punnett is a safety manager who, the best thing I can say about her is that she ties her tools to her waistband. Everything else about her is all like she killed her sister's fiance. She has so many deaths in her stage that she has a ghost show. And she hired us one time without telling us that it was a trap. And she actually needed like real protection and not just an escort. So like everything else I can say about this lady, not so great. Punnett, halfling of danger. Aye, aye, aye. My type of woman. <laughs> One time Aaron asked her to guard a baby. <laughs> what happened to the baby? Nesgrax did not let her. 
It turned out to not be a baby, so I mean... <laughs> Maybe we can get rid of two evil women today, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, team, if I may be so bold, are we headed toward Miss Upperton, or are we taking a pause to... No, 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 pause again. The horses start walking again when you say pause twice. In a... Pause. There we go. <laughs> Are we going to Miss Upperton first or to the Purple Boot Theatre, where we are right now? I suppose we might inquire now that we are here. We are here. What do you think, Cade? Perhaps we can sell the cookies here and get two birds with one stone. Oh, so smart. Yes. Finger snaps don't convey well over the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like your idea, Cade. Great idea, Cade. Mr. Langley, please get me off this cart. So you guys go and the inside. robotic chimpanzee, yeah, shifts Boltzmann's large cylindrical body. Um, I look to Olive and, uh, should we ask the kids to wait out here just in case? Kids are the cutest and best way to sell cookies, though. I think they should each pick up one box and then, you know, I'll carry like four more. And we should use them and their bright smiling faces to sell some cookies. <laughs> Good idea. And that means I don't have to carry them, so it's okay. I hand the kids one box of cookies each, and then I, I pick up like four more, you know, and we head inside. Once inside, again, it's more fixed up than you're used to, and on the right-hand side there says, says, Office of Somerset, owner of the theater. And the door is shut, but the light is on, so you could potentially knock and get someone's attention. So just to... Be straight with everybody. We're here. We're here for two reasons: to sell cookies and to kill ghosts. We still have a lot of cookies, so that's first on the list. <laughs> yeah. But once we're all out of cookies, <laughs> then it's ghost killing time. <laughs> all right, orphans, do your thing. The leader knocks on the door, and it opens to reveal a fire genasi who looks very exhausted and very frazzled, and her hair, instead of being all bright and acting like fire, it's a little muted. Uh, she's not tall. She's average height. Um, and again, her eyes have, like, bags beneath them. She looks exhausted. Do any of you have your fire-breathing kitten tattoo somewhere where it's visible right now? Uh, yes. Boltzmann is not wearing any clothing since he's a metal construction so it's uh, it's embossed on a, on a on a panel that's on his lower torso, so to speak, above the wheels. <laughs> Somewhere below the brain and above the wheels, <laughs> mid area. Exactly. And Kate is wearing a bit of a Kate is wearing a bit of a V neck, so his because it's on his chest is partially visible. Nice. <laughs> Stylish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I try, you know. It hasn't been washed in like a week, but you know. Boltzmann glances over and says, I gotta get me one of those V-necks. It'll go below the brain and above the wheels. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. The little girl steps up and she says, Hi, I'm Susie with the Sea Scouts. We have to sell all these cookies. My friends are kind of shy, but we're orphans, so you should buy our cookies. And the woman looks at her and says, and kind of looks at you guys and she goes, are you guys fire-breathing kittens? Please, for the love of God, tell me you're the fire-breathing kittens. Indeed we are. We are here to sell cookies and to take care of your ghost problem. Wonderful. 
and she like pulls out some cash and she hands it to the child and she's like, I, I guess it's not safe for you here. Just put the cookies by the front door and by cash, I mean gold. She pulls out a bag of gold. Um, <laughs> About how many boxes of cookies worth of gold did she pull out? 200. 200 boxes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my. <clears throat> we can just pull up the cart and just say, here you go. Bam. It's like dump the whole cart at the front door. Yeah, Olive is going to use her sketch pad and paper to make an official endorsed by the, what was the name of these cookies? Uh, there's four different types. There's Sea Snaps, Dragon Thins, Alpha Logs, and Pixie Dreams. Like the company? Oh, uh, they're the Sea Scouts. Okay, this is a Sea Scouts endorsed concession stand. Nice. Make it all pretty. Because it's, it's a theater, so they're going to sell concessions, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Um, do you Might work out a business deal for the orphans, you know? They could just uh, be the concession sellers and just go from there. Smart, I love it. And that way, it's, you know, it's they get an employment instead of just, you know, a one-time gig. Yeah. Which is good for orphans. Yeah, I love child labor. I mean, <laughs> employment, you know? <laughs> Um, so the orphans are excitedly bringing boxes in um, quickly. So you guys have a moment and the fire genasi turns to you and she goes, okay, look, I bought this theater from some, well, I didn't really buy it from her, but like she worked here. So I'm not really sure what the arrangement was, but I own the theater now. There was this halfling here and we've been running shows, but people keep disappearing and actors keep running off because they say that they keep seeing a ghost and my safety crew person is just up and left. So there's that. Do you guys think you can help? Ah, pun it, the safety crew person up and left. Well, I think your problem's solved. Olive does not like pun it. <laughs> the DM is laughing quietly. <laughs> <laughs> just your your hatred of Punnett is so justi- justified, but it's so hilarious. <laughs> I uh, do believe we will be able to help with a ghost problem. What kind of ghosts are they? Well, we, we keep seeing all... Like, we have two ghosts, kind of. Like, we have one, and, like, he carries around his head, and that's the really scary one. That's, like, the problem one. But then we just keep having... We don't really know what it is, but it just keeps showing up and, like, causing general chaos. So if you could, like, we have a green room uh, that you could stay in overnight to see what I'm talking about. That's probably the safest place to be right now. But we've also had some, like, accidents on stage, so I would avoid the stage, too. Um, We may or may not have had a chandelier. Um, Not murder i mean it's an inanimate object it can't really murder but it it just like landed on someone and there's no reason that should have happened madam there are children here will you please restrain yourself when talking about violence and beheadings uh yeah uh yes of course but can you help i believe we can help orphans yes i don't think your presence is required any longer Okay, um, we can go get more cookies if you still want to help us with this Mrs. Upperton problem. Children, who is making you sell so many cookies? <laughs> who do you give the money to? Indeed, maybe we we could take out the problem at the roots, root, so to speak. Is this for your school? Um. Who made you orphans? <laughs> well, um. We're all orphans because of unfortunate circumstances, but we are told we're, we don't get to eat unless we sell all the cookies that we have in storage. 
Oh, your orphanage is having you sell cookies. Uh-huh. And making you take the day off school to do it. Oh my. Sounds like we need to go visit the orphanage. <laughs> Olive's gonna kneel down in front of the kids and say, Do you like your orphanage? I used to sleep out inside out in the woods in a hollowed out tree, so it's better than that. Hmm. Children, your approach to problem solving is pathetic. First of all, you should try to resurrect your parents. They wouldn't be an orphan anymore. <laughs> Secondly, you should try to improve your orphanage if you're not going to try to not be an orphan anymore. And third, you'd get rid of this Mrs. Upperton if you're going to be an orphan in this terrible orphanage. And I'm sorry I have to be rude with you in this particular moment. I, I just think that these are the realities of life and you're, it's better you face them sooner rather than later. <laughs> so let's go revivify your parents. Now, did they die within the last minute? Cade, <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick question. Shoot. Would you want to stay here and start scouting out this green room for ghosts or be willing to go with as we drop off? I want to drop the kids off at the orphanage and I am always hesitant to split up when there's dangerous ghosts around. So would you want to stay here or come with as I drop the I just want to know where their orphanage is so I can investigate it later and make sure the 200 gold gets there safely. Um, what do you think? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to look around for some ghosts. I'm uh, quite familiar with the spirits, so... Yeah, that's right. You know, and, I, and it's not like I'll be by myself or anything, so, you know. Right. You've got... Me and the uh, me and the little ones will be fine. Yeah, I've met them before, and I, I wave at people I can't see. <laughs> They're over there, but it's okay. I have a question. At what time do the ghosts usually come out? They generally start getting really weird when we start our evening show, and then I've heard our overnight, well, our old overnight guard, because he doesn't work for us anymore, um, say that they're very active around midnight. Why, then it would appear we have plenty of time to to take out Mrs. Apperton, run her out of town, and be back in time for the matinee. Yeah, but we're out of cookies, so let's go back to the orphanage, pick up more cookies, drop off 200 gold, go visit Mrs. Upperton, <laughs> come back to the theater... <laughs> I say, I would like these orphans to be a little bit more entrepreneurial with these 200 gold pieces. How about they start up a new orphanage? One that rewards initiative. Yeah, I mean, 200 gold, they could um, technically just not drop it off and just leave because that's, you know, that's not a small sum of money. <laughs> Let's corrupt children, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> I'm checking the living expenses of 5e. I'm pretty sure Kate is correct that it costs like a gold to live for a few days. Like like these yeah, kids can buy rent. They can sign a lease. <laughs> two, 200 gold, they could technically like buy a small house and feed themselves for like a year. Not a year, but... It is decided then. You shall start your own orphanage, orphans. <laughs> it is time for the orphans to run the show. Here it is, price per day. For living modestly, it is one gold per day. So for 200 gold, for three people, they could like rent an apartment and <laughs> live for like half a year? More if they learn how to bake their own cookies. Yeah, exactly. If they learn to bake their own cookies, I mean, they're in business. You know what I mean? They, they don't have to be um, orphans anymore. Well, I mean, I guess technically they're <laughs> still orphans, but... But maybe that's the system that the orphanage is running already. Like that the orphanage is self-funding. 
But, well, the kids can't eat unless they sell cookies, which is kind of redundant. So. Now, here's an important question. Are you still in possession of any of your parents' remains? <laughs> the the little fear bulb just burst into tears. Oh. <laughs> this pulls out a shin bone. <laughs> it's just that a raised dead spell costs, costs, has material components of about 1,000 gold pieces. So if you make that type of money, you are back in the non-orphan business. What's the word for a non-orphan? <laughs> A single parent household? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're technically not an orphan if you have a single parent. Um, the little half half elf looks at you and she goes, "But, but how do you work a stove? And what's rent?" <laughs> oh yeah, kids can't live on their own. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not quite emancipated. Yeah. No, you are starting the right way by asking the right questions. So to the orphanage, guys? Sure. All right, let's, let's go to the orphanage because... Uh, it's, yeah. it's still early morning, right? Yeah, yeah, like Tuesday morning, I think it is. So we'll set up some ghost hunters cameras in the green room when we get back, when it's like 5 p.m. <laughs> that works. <laughs> to the orphanage. We need more cookies. <laughs> Travel montage of causing <laughs> chaos through the seeds, streets, through the seeds. I mean, through the seeds too, but through the streets. Yeah, everyone's rubbernecking at the. Did you say it had an animatronic eye? <laughs> yeah, I, I said it had a cyborg eye. Cyborg eye. Yeah, everyone's staring. <laughs> yes, everybody is staring at you. Um, you come up to the orphanage, and it's a, it's shaped. The front gates are like raw iron and it's kind of scary looking, um, but you can tell it's like it used to be painted to look like a gingerbread house, if that makes sense, but like a gingerbread castle. But the the paintings all faded. So if you could roll a history check for me. All of us? Yes. I got a 19 plus 5 is 24. Oh, wow. Mine is... Horrible. Mine's 12 minus 1, so 11. 7. Okay. <laughs> I take it back. Olive and Cage, you are just like, ooh, cookie castle. Old cookie castle. Boltzmann, you know from your time around town, you've heard that this used to be the Mrs. Cookie factory, and it has since been turned into an orphanage by Mrs... What was her name? Mrs. Forrest. Mrs. Forrest. Is that Mrs. or Miss? Mrs. And that all the cookies are baked in-house for the Sea Scouts, and then they sell them to keep the place running. At least that's mm. what the public knows. Okay. I turn to Olive and Cade and ask, uh, so what's the plan here? Are we going to uh, ask to see this uh, Mrs. Forrest's ledger? Just see the, the ins and outs, you know, the business expenses, and it would appear that she is earning big with these, uh, with these orphans and the cookies. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Kate uh, looks at Olive and says, we have to make a deal. This can't go like normal. Can't burn the place down yet. Ah, uh, can't burn this. We'll burn down the place after we kill Mrs. Pendleton or whatever. Well, let's get the orphans out first. Like, just saying. No, the, the 
The one who says orphans are dirty. We'll kill her. Burn her house down. Gotta burn one house down per episode. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That works. I'm down for that. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the usual way in which the Fire Breathing Kitchens Guild conducts business? Because if so, I'm not sure how we make money. Yes, that's why it's... That's why we're fire breathing kittens. <laughs> Gotta breathe a little fire. Yeah. So the whole thing is like an insurance scam. Pretty yes. much. <laughs> yes, we didn't tell you that before you joined. Actually, wait. Yeah, that's that's incredibly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's incredibly accurate. Oh no, kids, don't tell our secret. <laughs> you know the truth now. <laughs> What's insurance? <laughs> don't worry about it. Kids, you have so much to learn if you're going to run your own cookie emporium. <laughs> yeah, so Boltzmann sounds like a great idea. Let's go ask to look at the books. You lead. Boltzmann tries the door. Is it open? Nope, the gates are locked. Uh, the kids speak up and they say, Don't you know the magic word? Oh, I suppose I don't, but why are you lording it over me, children? Tell me the magic word. It's popsicles. And the gate swings open. <laughs> Oh, don't say popsicle! The horse takes off. <laughs> <laughs> and but that that's our cart. We're gonna have to get that back. <laughs> don't worry, we'll we'll go around in circles around town. You can catch it again in uh, about fifteen minutes. Great. Um, the cookies are stored over here, and they point to a shed, and start heading that way. Do you follow? Who do you turn the gold into, children? Oh, we just put it in the big box. And then it just disappears. Okay. And they're pointing to a big box on the outside of the shed. All right. I'm going to try to investigate this this big box. See if it's got any magical properties or anything of the sort. Roll an investigation check. Jeez. I'm rolling 18 plus 9. That's 27. Jesus. Uh, yeah, that definitely passes. Um... So you open the box and the kids just are like, yeah, we just put it in here and then it just disappears. And the box is like high enough that the kids can't see in it. Uh, but you can because you are taller than a small child. And <laughs> in the bottom. Actually, Boltzmann's, Boltzmann's body is about four feet tall and his brain is, is kind of like in the middle. So, But he, he can he can like raise his his. Uh, upper body in the air a little bit like these little legs extend from the bottom and he can like try and peer over yes that's what he does he extends his legs <laughs> and you can see that there is a hole in the middle of the box that has like a metal slide in it that slides underground what's the what's the diameter of the metal slide uh, what would be it's like things i didn't think i'd have to know as a dm um I'm asking, can we fit through it or not? No. A human could not fit through it. It's big enough for bags of gold to slide through. All right. Okay. It appears there's a hole at the bottom of this box. It is not a box at all. It is a chute. That said, shall we try the front door? Sure. <laughs> Boltzmann mm. uh, rolls up over to the front door and uh, tries to see whether uh, he can open it. It's unlocked. Do you guys go in? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so as you walk in, there's more cookie-themed items. So the floor is like ice cream shop checkered with black and white. And there's a cabinet that has cookie pillars. So it looks like chocolate chip cookie dough pillars. Uh, there's a wall that has 
awards for Miss Cookie. So it looks like they literally just moved the orphanage in and didn't change anything. Um, there are no children running around, but it's safe to assume they're out delivering cookies. Uh, and to, so there's like a grand staircase that goes up. To your right is labeled kitchen. To your left is labeled offices. <laughs> There's not a single child running around here. They can do the dirty work, but not the menial labor. You have to wonder who's actually making the cookies. Indeed. All right, I guess we head into the kitchen. Oh, I'm so glad you went into the kitchen. So as you walk into the kitchen, surprisingly, you don't see anybody. And the kitchen is not running. And in fact, there's dust everywhere. Uh-huh. Nobody's working the kitchen. With her background as a chef, would Olive realize that this is very strange? Oh yes, Olive, you're getting bad vibes. Hmm. I point out to everybody that if this kitchen were active, it wouldn't be covered in dust like this, would it, guys? Mm, that's a good point. But the question is, where are the cookies coming from? Kay turns around behind him and says, what do you guys think? Oh yeah, good idea. Cade uses uh, Eldritch Sight to cast Detect Magic on the entire kitchen. Can I do that? Yes. Amazing. Um, so you aren't getting any magic from the kitchen, but you do get some magic from the wall. So nothing in the kitchen is magic, but you get a sense that there's like a line in the wall, kind of in the shape of a chute headed downwards of just basic transmutation magic. Hmm. I, re I relay that to my uh, colleagues here and say that there's a, uh, seems like there's a magic chute going downwards through the wall. Does that ring a bell or uh, should we investigate further? What's a transmutation? Uh, a transmutation is simply the act of trans transmuting one matter to another. Like children into cookies? Exactly. Ah. They're not selling dream pastries, so we might be safe there, but you never know. Olive, are you suggesting that this, uh, this cookie factory is non-functional and only serves as a front to, churn, to turn children into cookies to be sold by other children? I am suggesting that it's at least a front for something. I'm a little suspicious now. Hmm. Something is afoot for sure. How about we investigate more secretly from here on out? I will coach you both and myself in my invisibility spray, and Mr. Langley will stay behind here. Well, you're handy. Yeah, really. All right. Look at you helping me avoid that disadvantage. How long do you make us invisible for? I can make you invisible for uh, one hour, so I'm gonna. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm gonna use a level f uh, four spell slot to cast invisibility on the three of us. <laughs> oh, we're way cooler than uh, level eleven's awesome, you guys. Yes. <laughs> Let's just all be invisible. <laughs> right now, we may be invisible, but they can still hear us. All right. Uh, where did we leave the kids? Out by the shed. Yeah, they're stacking okay. cookies. <laughs> okay. All right. Mr. Langley, I turn to uh, my robotic chimpanzee manservant, who uh, doesn't speak, 
he's just uh, there to 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 help when whenever needed. Please guard this place for us, and should anybody enter, just make a lot of noise and come barreling down the hallway. We will be back in uh, in a few minutes. We will investigate the bowels of this operation. Because if I know one thing, it's that a business is not run this way. It's not sustainable to turn children into cookies. <laughs> it might be with how many orphans there are in Nicomoy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Why are there so many orphans? This is the fire-breathing kittens doing. No comment. Part of the insurance scam. I suppose, theoretically, if it's possible to turn children into cookies, it should be possible to turn cookies into children. Perception check from everybody, and Cade, you have advantage. Good, because I'm going to need it, because that was terrible. 19. 26. I have 22. Okay, so all kind of at the same time. Cade, you're kind of following the line of magic. You notice a door labeled Servant's Staircase. Do they notice it as well, or just yep. me? Everybody notices it. You notice it first because you're following the line of magic, and then the other two quickly notice behind you. We're all invisible, so we don't know that the others notice. I suppose we all mentioned at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I related my team that the um, line of magic follows downward toward the um, the servants' quarters. All right, let us head down invisibly and quietly. Stealth checks if you're trying to be stealthy with advantage because you're invisible. <laughs> well, mine breaks even because I have disadvantage because of my armor. Twenty-seven. I have an eighteen. Nice. Sixteen. You just make it. Everybody is nice and sneaky. What's your marching order down the... How do you... Yeah, how do you decide your marching order down these stairs when you're all invisible? <laughs> A lot of stumbling and... <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> I take their hands, so I'll be in the middle, and I'll have one hand on the bell jar and another hand in Kate's hand. Okay. That works. Uh, Kate can go in, in front because uh, he's detecting magic. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, I proceed through the uh, servant's quarters doorway, holding Olive's hand and hoping not to uh, trip and fall. You all succeeded on your sneak roll, so you are very sneaky. And Cade, you are still kind of following the line of magic. And as you get lower and lower... You kind of think, hmm, this seems way lower than what a typical basement might be in this town. And it's getting colder and colder and starting to smell like seawater. Uh, as you keep going down, at this point, you've gone about three stories down. You come into a dirt basement entry. Um, so there's the bottom of the stairs and a doorway, not a door. Um, that's just made out of dirt and stone, and beyond it is dark. Hmm. You guys don't have dark vision, right? I do. I do not, but I am holding you guys. Do we hear anything? Perception check. 16. 14. 19. Cade, you hear whispers, and they're very creepy, and they kind of sound kind of like whale or dolphin sounds echoing through water but bouncing through the air instead. So, am I the only one that hears it? 
Yes, you're the only one that hears the whispers. Everybody else, you just hear okay. normal background basement noises. So nothing really, just, you know, like the white noise that normal rooms have. So I, uh, I turn to Olive and Boltzmann and tell them, um, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but there's some uh, creepy whispering going on up ahead. I can't exactly make it out. It just sounds off. Um, do you see anything, Cade? Uh, I have 60 feet of dark vision. Do I see anything? Nope. I do not. Uh, then Boltzmann is going to use magical tinkering to imbue... An object with light. He's got a little, little light bulb, I guess. <laughs> Just electri- electrifies it. <laughs> uh, so he's got a uh, five feet radius of light. Okay. Um, from the bottom. Isn't of the s- this the opposite of being invisible? Olive asks Boltzmann. Why? There's just a floating light bulb. We are still invisible. Okay. Cade Arcana check. Oh God. <laughs> Eight. Never mind. <laughs> It's just dark. <laughs> so I guess we just proceed with dim light. Would you like me to uh, continue detecting magic? I would lose the uh, the invisibility. I, I have. Um, I can continually detect. I can cast detect magic over and over and over. Are you doing that? Hmm. Yes. The darkness is definitely magical. Oh, it's magical uh, darkness. When I wish I had taken devil sight. Can I help uh, Kate with an arcana check? Because Boltzmann is very, very good at those. Yes. Um, Kate, do you, to justify this story-wise, do you ask for help? Yes, I, uh, I turn around and I, well, I'm, I'm, I, I mentioned to um, Olive and Boltzmann that the darkness is absolutely magical, which is making it quite difficult to see through. And I'm not very familiar with this type of magic. So if I could get some assistance in figuring this out, that'd be great. I wish I knew more about magic, but I just don't. Boltzmann? A magical darkness. This might be some type of fiends doing. Or perhaps uh, a magical spell. It's not that difficult to do, but I did not take my my spell book with me. <laughs> that has it. <laughs> How about this? I cast the spell magic on the darkness. Dispel magic. Um, read how that works. Yeah, sure. Choose one creature, object, or magical effect within range. Any spell of third level or lower on the target ends. For each spell of fourth level or higher on the target, make an ability check using your spellcasting ability. The DC equals 10 plus the spell's level. And a successful check, the spell ends. So after roll, if it's fourth level or higher, um, if it's third level or lower, it automatically ends. Okay, so the darkness is banished, essentially. It fades away, and... Your light kind of starts to reach the doorway, but there's also some glowing, like fire, coming through the door. And you can see four different shapes moving. They're, like, outlined by the fire. Okay. Is the light that I have the only thing lighting this room? Yes. You get the sense that this is a rectangular kind of room underneath, and at the far end there are... All of you would understand what this glow is. They're like brick fireplaces meant for cooking, glowing. And so the shapes, body shapes that you see moving around are backlit by those. But there's no other light. Hmm. I'm going to put the the light bulb on the ground so that we may proceed without it floating through the air. Okay. You guys walking through the door? Hmm. 
Yes. Yes. Uh, mm, uh, mm, um. <laughs> yes, Olive, yes. We're moving through the door. Can you drop my invisibility? Um, if you attack, it will automatically drop. Okay, punch a wall. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to make you roll to attack. Wait, wait, wait. Why, 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 do you, why do you want to drop your invisibility? Because velociraptors, two from the side, one target in the middle. I have a 19 AC. I'm very dodgy and ducky and, you know, dashy. So I'd, I'd prefer the to be the bait and have you guys be the side support. I'm also going to offer them a lot of gold and see if I can talk to them. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, if you want to take the diplomatic approach. Uh... <laughs> sure. So I'm visible and I walk into the room. <laughs> Okay, and do you have dark vision, uh, since you all are in the room? Not at all. But there's a okay. ball of light, right? I'll give you a second. Li- I'll give you a second light bulb to hold. I stand at the entrance to the room with just a little bit of light, and I announce my presence, saying, "Hello, I have come to fund your orphanage." Whipping around to see you, um, are three sea not three four sea hags. Um, who are wearing aprons and chef hats, and they are moving cookies around, and they scream. No, no, no. I'm holding gold. I'm holding gold. I want to fund your orphanage. And I'm like, literally, I'm holding, uh, how much gold am I holding? So much gold. 500 gold coins. I'm holding 500 gold coins, and I'm not moving at all. And I, I smile. Olive, they are sea hags. (laughs) scouts get it um one of them looks at you and says in a really raspy voice who are you olive mudo i like funding orphanages i set the gold on the ground the gold is not what we are after and now that you have seen us we cannot let you leave i'm not racist i have nothing against sea hags I don't let them finish the sentence, and I, and I, fi- I fireball them. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> Bam. <Yeah. laughs> Gonna send a fireball over all of his shoulders <laughs> and start my blade song. <laughs> okay, roll for initiative. I will give you an attack of opportunity because you are invisible, so they don't know you're there. Oh. That, that was, yeah, that was supposed to be a surprise, uh, surprise attack. Yes. Did you have to? <laughs> <laughs> they just said they couldn't leave, let us let us leave alive. I can't stop you from doing that, but I uh, I kind of think you're racist. They said they weren't going to let you leave. Yeah, they didn't attack me yet, though. Olive, they're going to attack you. Olive's going to learn <laughs> trial by fire. She's she's got to learn for herself. <laughs> uh, they're getting ready to lunge towards you, Olive. Um, so everybody. That's fine. We're going to do a surprise round. I have tranquility, by the way. Please roll a... Is it a wisdom saving throw? Please roll a saving throw. I should have written down what type of saving throw tranquility is. But their spell can just fizzle and not work. Like, Mm. I'm genuinely a good diplomat, you guys. You didn't trust me at all. I haven't attacked. I'm just kind of chilling invisible. Yeah. Wait, I attacked the wall. I don't have tranquility. It's not that I didn't trust you. It's that I didn't didn't trust the sea hags. Yeah, it's okay. I don't have tranquility up because I attacked the wall to break my invisibility. Awesome. Never mind. Uh, okay. Yeah, maybe Boltzmann is, is, is a little racist. He's like, sea hags! I hate sea hags! 
You did spend some time in the sea. Did you have a bad sea hag experience? Indeed I have. They will break your heart and run away with all your money. Okay, so we have a surprise, which means... Okay, so they can't take actions, reactions, or moves, but you all get to attack one time. Okay. How, uh, How close am I to them? You all are about... 60 feet away. Um, Boltzmann reacted first, so I am going to let that spell play out. There will be uh, a reflex, uh, I mean, a dexterity saving throw, showing my roots here. A dexterity saving throw DC of. It's my DC. I think it's 17. You said you did Firebolt. There's four of them. Does that only target one at a time? Fireball uh, targets a 20-foot radius sphere. Okay, so yep, that would hit all of them. Let me roll this last one. Okay, so one of them rolled a 17, and then the rest of them are under 10. Does a 17 save? Uh, yes. Or a total of 17? I guess that yes. makes the save, right? Yeah. So um, the ones that failed take 26 fire damage, and the one that succeeded takes 13. Okay. And then as a bonus action, I will start my blade song. Aha! And I'm not invisible anymore. <laughs> okay. What is Blade Song? Can just remind us for our listeners. And how does that work? It's uh, a wizard subclass. I get to uh, add my intelligence to AC to concentration checks. And um, my walking speed my walking speed increases by 10 foot. I have advantage in acrobatics checks. So my AC is now 21. Okay, um, Cade? So I'm still invisible. Mm-hmm. And they have no idea that I'm here. So I want to get within melee range of the closest one that I can find. Or the closest one to me. Okay. They are, I said, what, 50 feet away? And they're all kind of in a line standing in front of the oven. So do you have a one in particular you would like to... Whichever one is closest. Okay, so the one in front, or not front, in towards the middle. Um, what's your movement speed? 30. So you can get um 20 feet away. Okay, it's not quite close enough. I'm going to just, can I, I'm going to dash to them, but I'm going to stay invisible. Okay, nope, that, that's fair. They still don't know you're there, you're invisible. Um, they can't. Oh, they're going to know I'm here in a minute. <laughs> they can't really <laughs> see you. Is that the end of your surprise turn? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Olive? Olive is going to spend a key point to step of the wind up to the office. I would like to run back up the stairs from where we came from. I can tell my friends are just going to murder these poor sea hags, so maybe I can, like, petition for external help slash, I don't know, I'm not, I refuse to kill the sea hags. I think my friends can die if they want to, because they suck. And, uh, to the office. Okay. Um... Olive heads out to the office. Olive, they are supernatural creatures made of spite and malice and sea foam. You're a brain in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> and I will act thusly. <laughs> There's our new t-shirt. Yeah, so what this does, uh, by the way, Step of the Wind, is that I can dash as a bonus action on my turn. And that means I gain an extra movement for the turn. So I can downgrade my mo- my action to a movement and take 50 feet. 
I can use my movement, and that's 50 feet, and I can bonus action dash, which is another 50 feet. So I can go 150 feet that away to the office. Yes, you do make it to the offices. Cade and Boltzmann, roll initiative for me while um, Olive has her office adventure. Um, Olive, you walk into the office, um, and sitting there is a... Um, an old haggard looking woman, and I'm going to need a perception check. Non-natural 20. Okay. She looks very close to dead, but you can see that she is still kind of breathing. Whoa. Like kind of breathing like this person needs physical assistance? Yes. Like her head is down. She's wrinkled and old. She looks like she could have potentially... If you walked up to her, you would think she's dead, but you can kind of see her chest moving up and down. Oh my gosh, I, I feed her a potion. Do you you have one of those, yes? Yes, I possess okay. three 2d4 plus two healing potions. She looks a little less dead now. <laughs> she wakes up with a gasp and she looks at you and she kind of freaks out a little bit. Yeah, lady, you almost died. Uh, the the children, the, are they safe? What what happened? There was this the smell of sea, and it was the children. The kids are on the front lawn dropping off cookies in a drop box. No, gold in a yeah, gold in a drop box, picking up cookies from a shed. I'm Olive. Cookies. She's really confused at the cookies. She says, "We haven't sold cookies in years. What are you talking about? What day do you think this is?" Um, I get kind of confused. Ever since the business changed from cookies to an orphanage, I just wanted to share my wealth. Um, but isn't it just, isn't it like a Saturday? Uh, yeah, so it is actually, it's the year 49594, and it's Tuesday morning on the month of August, I think. This is August, guys? Yeah. Five? She freaks out and she's like, five, nine, four? No, you you must be confused. It's only five, eight, four. I dash back down the stairs to kill the sea hags. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Olive, you're going to have to roll initiative as well after running back down, um, but they are going to have one round of combat before you hop in. All right. Seven. Seven. Okay, so Olive was... Seven, Cade, what'd you, what did you roll? Oh, sorry, uh, 16. And Boltzmann. 19. Okay, so first up is Boltzmann. After getting hit by your fire, they're not looking great, and they're very upset. How far away are they? They are 50 feet from you if you haven't moved. In that case, I will... I will cast another fireball and move move forward. Okay. The question is, uh, do I catch Cade in this? Because he's still invisible. Yeah, is fi- Firebolt a radius of 20, right? Radius of 20 foot. Yes, you will catch Cade in it. Um. <laughs> I am sorry. But I, yeah, I don't... Or I, can I make a perception check to see if he's there? Yes, with disadvantage, because he's invisible. So invisible. you're not quite sure. Yeah, sure. And I think I'm going to need a stealth check from you, Cade. Yep, yep. That's a three and a six. So my third is a three plus five is eight. Ooh. I, uh, 
Seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, Boltzmann, you happen to hear the footsteps of Cade headed in that direction, but you don't know where he ended up. So you know that he... Cade is not stealthy. <laughs> yes. You notice that he headed towards the sea hags, and you know he's um, probably in that okay. general vicinity, but you don't know exactly where he is. In that case, I will cast a fifth level shadow blade, which uh, does 48 damage, and I'm going to roll forward. And uh, yeah, Boltzmann uh, reaches into the into the darkness and draws forth a blade made of pure fear and uh, charges toward the sea hags and I suppose throw it, throws it at the nearest one because it can't quite reach them. Okay. Uh, is this a dimly lit area? Yes. Uh, in that case, I uh, do have advantage and I rolled a natural 20. Cool. For my first attack roll of the game. They are lined up in a line currently. Do you throw it at one, the one on the far left, one of the two middle ones, or the one on the far right? Um, the one, I guess, like left to right, right? Let's do it in order. <laughs> okay. Um, natural 20 definitely hits. Uh, if you could roll damage for me. Yeah, so that's double damage. I can't use a gunship here, but... Uh, oh, I can. I can, actually. Uh, because I'm a blade singer, I can use one cantrip in place of a melee attack. This does a total of 36 damage on a on a natural 20. Okay. Your blade hits the sea hag on the far left, and she is looking really, really rough. Like, she is wobbling. <laughs> okay. And then um, a little laser pistol comes out and tries to shoot the other one, but uh, I get a natural one. So that's the end of my turn. Yes, you for sure miss on a natural one. <laughs> Uh, next up <laughs> is going to be the Sea Hags. Bring it, Sea Hags! Boltzmann, I'm going to need a wisdom saving throw. All right. There's a three. The Sea Hag that you just hit <laughs> whips towards you, and despite being very wobbly on her feet, she stares at you. And because uh, you, what was your movement? My movement is currently 40 feet, yep. so I'm 10 feet away from them. Um, she stares at you, and she opens her mouth in a really high-pitched whale song um, <laughs> pops up, and you feel yourself becoming extremely faint, and you drop to zero hit points. Not again! To zero hit points. Yes, so you are down. I guess Boltzmann uh, shuts down. I guess his brain just <laughs> shuts down. Uh, the body is standing in position. Okay, I was going to ask, does the body collapse or do you just kind of shut down robot style? <laughs> I guess I guess he would fall uh, prone. Next up is Cade. So I'm still within melee range of one of them, right? Or within my melee range with my spear, I think it's 10 feet. Yes, you are within melee range. <laughs> okay, Cade sees uh sees his buddy go down and is quite upset by it. So he launches a melee attack with a twenty-two to hit on the one closest to him. Okay. While also cast using his ring of spell storing to cast banishing smite. 
which does 5d10 force damage on hit um, and it does 38 plus 8 46 uh, my total damage from that one strike is 57 damage and you're doing Yikes. it to the one in front of you yes and because I use the melee attack, I get to also use Thirsting Blade, which is another 10 damage. Okay, it explodes. Like, it's dead. Um, oh, it okay. Well, I was going to say, if it doesn't die, there's another effect. But if it dies, it dies. Yes. Um, so the one in front of you does die. And it, um, as you your spear cuts into it and you're attacking it, it bursts into... Uh, Cookies? Sea breeze. Um, cookies, yeah. Uh, a sea breeze <laughs> that hits you in the face, and it doesn't do any damage. It just bursts into nothing. Nice uh, sea just breeze. Goes, <laughs> uh, Gross. move? Are you, you're not invisible anymore, correct? No, no, no. Okay. Um, yes, I move. Is there another one within 30 feet of me? Yes, they're all within... Like five-ish feet of each other. So okay, which one is the one that the one that took down Boltzmann? That's the one that's taken damage already. Yes. So I walk up to that one. Oh, you said they're both within five feet of me. Ten feet. Yeah. Ten feet. Even I mean, still. Wait, let me do. So some I math. get t- attacks of. Op- You're fine. If that's the case, I get attacks of opportunity on both of them because of pole arm mastery. Yeah, you do get attacked. Yep, they are within five feet, the way that I set this math up. Sweet. Uh, let's see. That is the first one on the one that's low health. The attack roll is a 19. Yeah, that hits. And it does 12 damage. Plus, I believe I get to use the butt of my spear, which is another uh, three damage. So 15. She explodes. In some sea breeze. Okay, and then my next attack of opportunity she is... Had, she had three hit points left, and she knocked me down from 72 to zero. <laughs> the uh, the next one I roll is a 17 hit. Yes. Okay, and it does uh, 10 damage. Cool. That one's still looking alive. Oh, wait, sorry. 10 damage plus... Th- so it does 13 damage. Okay, that one's looking a little less alive. Um, it's taking a couple hits. It's kind of bleeding a little bit, and it's super, super duper upset. Next up is Olive. Uh, there are two left standing towards the right half of that wall of ovens, um, and you are... Um, I was in the office, so do I like use my turn to dash the 150 feet back down? Yes. And arrive on the scene? Does that take your whole turn? It took my whole turn to get up yep. there. Okay. I, I just want to be fair. Yep. Nope. That's fine. I just wanted to make sure that's what you wanted to do. Wait. How many sea hags are left? There were four. There are now two left. Okay. Gotcha. 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 I arrive on the scene and I see Boltzmann laying on the ground. I've having expended a key point to step of the wind my way back into the room. I'm like, whoa, Boltzmann's down. Ah, yes. You didn't see that. Yes, you are very surprised. Your teammate is shut down. <laughs> and then my other friend, Cade Ghostbane, is holding some kind of long stick with this pointy thing on the end and swinging it at the hags. And as soon as he, like, stabs them, they explode into sea mist. And I'm like, whoa! <laughs> like fireworks. 
<laughs> Very wet fireworks. Gross. Fire conscious fireworks. <laughs> yes. So that'll be your turn. So the next up are the two sea hags. Um, and they're going to come after you, Cade, because you're who they can see. Bring it. Uh, you're going to need to do a wisdom saving throw. Okay. That's not good. Do two of them. Okay. Ooh. Uh, 15 and... Uh, oh, 15 and 8. Okay, so the first one, you see the first sea hag shed off her coat, and her horrific appearance becomes very evident. She's very, uh, like a dried fish that's been out of water too much, is a good description of how her skin is, like, sucking to her bones. Uh, but you just kind of get kind of bad vibes feeling from her. But the other one stares at you and starts whispering again in that weird echoey sea voice. And you are now frightened for one minute. Um, oh, no. Yes. So a frightened creature has disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls while the source of its fear is within line of sight. And you can't willingly move closer to the source of fear. Um, they are within five feet of you, and they are going to stay there because they're advancing because you are the enemy they can see. Next up uh, would be Boltzmann. I guess a death save, because you're at zero. I thought you can't go below zero in fifth edition, right? Oh, you can. You can. Yeah, you out, you outright die if you go negative 100%. When you drop to zero hit points, you either die outright or fall unconscious, as explained in the following sections. Instant death. Massive damage can kill you instantly. When damage reduces you to zero hit points and there is damage remaining, you die if the remaining damage equals or exceeds your hit point maximum. Falling unconscious. If damage reduces you to zero hit points and fails to kill you, you fall unconscious. The unconsciousness ends if you regain any hit points. Death saving throws. When you start your turn with zero hit points, aha, you must make a special saving throw called a death saving throw to determine whether you creep closer to death or hang on to life. Okay, so you're right. At zero, you're not stable yet until you finish your death saving throws. And guess what I just rolled? Oh, no. <laughs> Nat 20. Yeah, that's a natural one. Oh. When you make a death saving throw and roll a one on the d20, it counts as two failures. So you're still alive, but being shut down is doing some damage. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm gonna feel so bad. Um, next two failures for Boltzmann. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what a debut. A nat 20, a nat 1, and down. <laughs> <laughs> um hey, yeah if anyone gets to kill a character it's you dm so <laughs> this wasn't supposed to go this way um <laughs> the dm's over here having a crisis it's fine next up is Cade. <laughs> um am i so i can't get near the sea hag that scares me they are both within five feet of you and they haven't moved because they're enclosing on you but okay. you can't get like you can't get any closer than that but they're within five feet so arguably you could hit them uh, if they're within five feet of me because of my feet they I, I automatically get attacks of opportunity on them um because they didn't move out of five feet nope okay so take your attacks of opportunity then so the attacks of opportunity first one is a roll of 16 does that hit yep it does 11 damage 
Second one is a roll of 14. Does that hit? So if you're frightened, it says a frightened creature has disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls. So I'm going to have you roll your attacks of opportunity with disadvantage. Okay. So the first one would have been a 14 then. Okay. Next one is a 17 or a 12. So 12. Okay. Both of those still hit. Um, What's the damage? First one is 11. Second one is 13. Okay. And then it is your turn. Okay. Um, how close to Boltzmann am I? You are about 10 feet away. Okay. Uh, did attack the, uh, the sea hag that attacked Bolt- Boltzmann right before, right? Yes. Yeah, I killed the one that attacked you. That one's dead, but mm. you're still down. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah. uh, does that mean he's he's next to he's next to Boltzmann? Well, did you run all the um, way up because you only have forty feet of movement, so you were still ten feet away. Um, so he is you're about ten ish feet away from Boltzmann. Boltzmann on like a diagonal sort of. Okay, um, I'm going to rush to Boltzmann and use lay on hands on him, <laughs> and that's going to heal ten hit points. Okay, so you're disengaging for your action? Yes. Can you still do lay of hands? Is lay of hands an action? Or lay on? Lay on hands? Uh, it is an action. Okay, so I wasn't, so you, no, I wasn't going to disengage. I was just going to run straight to him. Okay, so then... So if they the, can make attacks of opportunity, they can yep. go for it. Okay, so I'm going to need you to make another... Uh, we'll, just, we'll just try to hit you. Yeah, so the first one reaches for you with her claws, and she whiffs it she's looking really rough and confused and then the second one does a 17 hit no ma'am it does not the second one misses you as well and whiffs it they're looking a little rough around the edges the other one is now starting to kind of weave and bob and you make it to boltzmann to do lay on hands and you said that was 10 hit points yes ma'am Okay, Boltzmann, you are healed, and your body whirs back to life, and you come to. <laughs> what? What happened, sea hags? Oh, we are still in battle, I see. Onward! Thank you. Olive, you are next. How far away am I from the sea hags? 50 feet. I have 50 feet of movement. I move to the <laughs> sea hags. I would like to first attack the one that looks like really damaged and maybe her edges are fading into mist a little bit. Mm-hmm. I want to punch her. Okay. Just, just imagine an alligator punching a sea hag. <laughs> so I used to, my bite used to be much stronger than my punches and slowly over 11 levels, my punch is finally stronger than my bite, which if you can imagine an alligator bite, the punch being stronger than that means that I'm really strong. So I punch her. And it's a 22 to hit my fist into her cheekbone. Does that hit? Oh, yes. That that for sure hits. 11 damage. Non-lethal damage. Is she still up? No, she is passed out on the ground. Excellent. And then I have a 12, a 26, and a 16 to punch, punch, punch the other sea hag. All of those hit. Whoa, a 12 hits? Yes. Wow, okay. Wow. That is 6 plus 6 plus 11, which I think is 23 damage. Non-lethally. Okay, that was going to be my question. 
it is out <laughs> as well. All right. I am out of actions and bonus everything because Flurry of Blows took up my bonus action. And I, I expended my action. I expended my bonus action. I expended my movement. But I'd like to free action say, hey, everybody, I've got handcuffs. And I intend to handcuff them the next chance I have. So you can stop attacking these unconscious creatures now, because I'd like to question them to see what is going on here. You can kill okay. them after I question them, probably. But let's. Five gold them. says they've been eating children. Yeah, I think they've probably <laughs> been eating children. Let's find out. So I like I jiggle my hips. There's handcuffs there. So I, I'm you know busy punching, but I'm expressing the intent to handcuff. Okay. Um, so two of them are dead and gone. Two of them are unconscious. So that completes combat. So what would you like to do? Well, that was a close one there. I almost died. You were down on the ground, Boltzmann. Yes, I suppose I am almost dead as a precondition for my existence. So, uh, man, those, those sea hags just get me every time. And sea hags and no whales. They're my one weakness. Oh. <laughs> I use dimensional shackles. I use an action to place these shackles on an incapacitated creature. Can I put one on one of them and the other on the other one? Handcuff them together? Yeah, that... Yeah. Cool. The shackles adjust to fit a creature of small to large size. These creatures are prevented from teleporting. And any creature I designate when I choose the shackles can use an action to remove them. I just say olive. And once every 30 days, the bound creature can make a DC 30 strength athletics check. On a success, the creature breaks free and destroys the shackles. DM, now that we are out of battle, uh, could I make a roll to see what Boltzmann knows about sea hags? Yes. Is that arcana or nature or? Nature? That is a 19. I'm going to take a moment to uh, imbibe some chemical substance to, to juice up my brain and cast guidance on myself, if that's allowed, to okay. give me an extra d4, which makes it a 22. Okay, so your knowledge, um, after kind of juicing yourself up, you <sighs> understand <clears throat> that that sea hag should not have been able to shut you down. It shouldn't have been able to do that, and yet it did. And it was... So these are kind of very... Not to be nerdy, but they're kind of overpowered for sea hags and unnatural. These do not seem like the sea hags I know. They are spiteful in a more joyful way. <laughs> These are just mean. You're the expert in sea hags. You would know. I have an idea. I have this sketch pad here, and I have pieces of charcoal. Can we give each of them a piece of parchment and a piece of charcoal and have them play the newlywed game on what they were doing here? I'm intrigued by this idea, but I will need you to explain the newlywed game to me. <laughs> I'm definitely referencing Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn, yeah. There's a show where, uh, responding to their questions, they have to write them down on a piece of paper, and if the written-down answer doesn't match, then you can tell that people are lying. So in-game, Olive would say, every Thursday night, there's this show on the the <laughs> communication stone, and you can listen to it, and it's these people answering questions about their newly married life ah i've seen this show the purple boot theater but last time i was there everyone, the entire cast was killed by ghosts so i didn't catch the ending that sounds about right um <laughs> so do you wake them up to do this 
I put a piece of parchment and charcoal in their hands that's not handcuffed. Hey, that worked out. And I do a medicine check on them to stabilize them. And they were stable already because I didn't hit them lately. But, like, it says they wake up in 1d4 hours. So I guess I can, like, speed that along. I have two potions still, but that would leave me out of potions. You could either medicine check them or you could athletics check them to smack them across the face. Let's start with medicine. Olive, I would warn you that these sea hags have unnatural power. One of them... You were not there for this, but one of them dropped me to unconsciousness by looking at me and charming we with their, with their wiles. They might not need their hands for this type of business. That's a good point. Hey, just raises his spear that he knows, he knows you're trying to uh, wake them up. So he just readies his spear and preps a uh, eldritch blast. So as the tip of his spear just begins to glow bright green and black, just in anticipation. Yeah. Hmm, okay. Boltzmann's, uh, uh, the panel on his torso slides aside, the panel with the Fire Breathing Kittens logo on it, and uh, reveals a, a rocket launcher, which is where the fireball just came from, and stands a good uh, 30 feet away. <laughs> okay. Uh, roll, Boltzmann and Cade, roll with advantage um, intimidation checks. Olive, what was your medicine check? At 21. Okay, so they'll come too. What are your guys' intimidation checks? Having a 20. 26. Oh, geez. Okay, so they come too, and they kind of start screaming, but then they see, and they are terrified into silence, um, and they're not making eye contact, and they are just sitting there like, we're gonna die. Can you spell? Not the kind with the singing, the kind with the writing. Yes, and... And they're speaking common. You notice that they're speaking common. Why didn't you kill us? Because you're going to play the newlywed game. We're going to ask you some questions, and you're going to write down your responses on these pieces of paper. And don't cheat. Don't look at each other's papers. Yeah. Show us the papers at the same time after having not shown each other. Okay. Is this... And one of them turns to the other and says, Is this some new torture technique? Yes. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, Okay, so they are ready for your questions. All right, Cade, what do you want to ask him? What's going on here? What are you doing with these children? They're scribbling, and then when they (laughs) turn around. (laughs) There's something awesome about sea hands. I know you're shackled together, but don't look at each other's papers. I'm watching you. (laughs) Yes, right with your left hand. (laughs) Um, they show you the papers and one of them says making a sacrifice and the other one says eating them. <laughs> oh my So Cade goodness. splits his Eldritch Blasts in two separate ways. <laughs> well, one of them is lying, but which one? <laughs> what are the cookies made out of? They scribble again, and there's, like, literally just cookie recipes. <laughs> there's no children, like, in the cookie recipes. They're, like, they're, they're cookies. Well, that's good. Why didn't you bake them upstairs? And the one just, they both look at you in confusion, and the one just says, Everyone knows stone-baked cookies are better than ovens. <laughs> that is a fact. Yes. 
It seems somebody has some business sense after all. What were you sacrificing the children for? And write your answers. Uh, they sit there and the one scribbles and the other is just kind of like, we're okay, and start scribbling and they turn around and one of them says, God with a question mark and the other one <laughs> has written the king of the sea all right now i know that you're pulling your legs there's no king of the sea that's absurd there are many ages sighs and, and looks at uh, his companion and say well i've had enough should we blow them up now hang on hang on they might be eating them we're not sure yet or there could be something that's worse than sacrificing and eating them could be yeah how many children have died they like start counting on their fingers. Oh god. They're not very smart. And they just go through and then they write a number and they turn and one of them says 15 and the other one says 17 question mark. You get the vibe that they just can't count so they're not lying to you. They just literally can't count. Are there more um. orphanages? One of them scribbles on a note that we own, question mark. Do you know of any more sacrifices? They just choose to speak. They're like, no. Uh, All right, I have had enough of this. Baltimore will cast uh, Detect Thoughts. Cool. What do I have to do a save for that? I first learn the surface thoughts of the creature. These are just the surface thoughts. What is on... Uh, most on its mind in that moment. And then as an action, uh, you can either shift your attention to another creature's thoughts or attempt to probe deep, deeper into the same creature's mind. If you probe deeper, the target must make a wisdom saving throw. So I will first start with the left one. On the surface, you get an image of a huge, monstrous killer whale and fear, but also the feeling of power. Um, does, does Boltzmann recognize this uh, enormous killer whale? Boltzmann has uh, just, before joining the Fire Breathing Kitchens Guild, spent some time uh, drifting along the bottom of the sea since he fell in the ocean and couldn't find his way until he came to Nicomoy. So that's why he uh, he's a little bit familiar with sea hags and underwater shenanigans. Roll with advantage history. History, okay. So 13 and a 4, so 13 plus 5 is uh, 17, uh, 18. You've heard tales of a village on this coast super north um, that has been terrorized by a monstrous or killer whale. I share this info with the others, and I'm going to check out what's on the other's mind. Is it the same killer whale? Yes. And then I will probe deeper, so she may make a uh, wisdom saving throw. DC seventeen. Well, they not won, so they didn't win. They definitely didn't. So, do you get to hear all of their thoughts? I gain insight into its reasoning, its emotional state, and something that looms large in its mind, such as something it worries over, loves, or hates. Okay, so you hear a whale song this one deeper than the screams that they were giving off of and you get the feeling of magic being tied to them and being tied back to that whale they were talking about and they are equally frightened and excited to have that power 
or the one you're listening to? Uh, a shiver goes through Boltzmann's brain, and uh, he says, It appears these sea hags are supercharged by some whale god. And they use whale song to enchant people and kill them outright. Who knows how many children they have done this to? Fifteen or seventeen. <clears throat> Ish. Uh, quick question. Are sea hags considered humanoids? Um... I mean, I half assume so. Their label is medium fey, but they look kind of... Yeah, we can consider them humanoids. I, th I think they're fey. Or f it says medium fey, so I'm going... That just means they're fey, right? Not humanoid? Okay, yeah, they're fey. Okay, so not humanoid. Gotcha. Uh, Boltzmann kind of rotates in his jar <laughs> and locks eyes with Cade, who is holding the Eldritch Blast, and then turns toward Olive. <laughs> Now that they're incapacitated, I see no reason not to take them to the authorities. I mean, I can carry them. I have a 360 max lift. Do they together weigh less than 360 pounds? Yes. Yeah, I just pick both up and throw them over my shoulder. They are supercharged sea hag child murderers, though. Right. Wouldn't it not be in the interest of public safety to take care of them here and now? And make sure no more children are hurt. Do you like killing Boltzmann? Is that what's up? I mean, child murderers, yes. Do you think they'll suffer more if they're dead five seconds from now? Or if five years from now they're still behind bars? I am afraid that they will use their supercharged magic to escape prison and wreak havoc upon Nicoboy. That would be a really ineffective prison system if it didn't stop magic users. These are extremely powerful. This will god I've heard tales about is an eldritch horror. <laughs> I use the back of my hand to casually slap both into a non-lethal unconsciousness. Yeah. Casual <laughs> that, that, slap. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make you roll for that because, yeah, you just knock them out. <laughs> and then I head up the stairs. If they're more than 360 pounds, I only move at 45 feet per round. But other than that, I just like speed up the stairs. I think Cade can move like 30 or something like that. So I'm like moving faster 30. than your average person. I hut hut. <laughs> you might want to talk to the person in the office, I say. And then can Olive just be back in like half an hour? She's going to take a truth test and just, you know, drop them off yes. at the police station. Come right back. Yes. Olive can go do her jail dropping thing. Yeah. I'm sure they're used to me by now. I'm like, all right, sign me up to the polygraph. I have some more offenders. <laughs> These ones killed some kids. You're, they probably think of you like a cat. Like, just, just withhold food long enough and they'll start bringing you gifts. Because <laughs> they think you can't feed yourself. Um, okay, yep. So all of you go and you deal with the police station. The other two, as you're coming up a, up the stairs, you do see through the open office door a haggard-looking woman sitting at her desk. Um, still kind of in shock. And just kind of sitting there, staring off into space. Greetings, are you the person that runs this operation? Yes, but I... It, it's ten years later. The children, but what happened? Ten years later, you've been at this desk for ten years. That That's what the crocodile lady said. Um, so I suppose um, the... Uh, the last I remember was the smell of a sea breeze when I was reading the children their bedtime story. 
Ah, indeed. Well, I'm afraid these children are now adults. Bad news. They're teenagers. It sucks. <laughs> or eaten. <laughs> you were enchanted by sea hags uh, that channel the grand divine authority of an eldritch whale god. But good news, you're free now. And it seems that uh, the children have been making great, great returns on the cookie sales, so... <laughs> You can uh, uh, afford to renovate the orphanage. <laughs> uh, she's just like in shock. And as she's staring at you, you just hear from the doorway. Misters, we we have all the cookies stacked outside. Are you ready to go? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, children. Just taking care of some business. <laughs> now, this is very important. Uh, Miss, Mrs. Forrest, is that... Oh, you're Mrs. Cookie. I'm Mrs. Cookie. I don't know who Miss Forrest is. Is that the sea hag? Most likely, yes. All right. Uh, There is a chute outside, which uh, magically uh, dumps gold into some type of reservoir underneath your cookie factory. Would you know by any chance where it has ended up? I... the the vault, I'm assuming, um... They're, they're just through this door, and she points to a door labeled Vault in really big letters behind her desk. Um, why is that important? We haven't used that system in, I, I, I guess, ten years. If that is so, why do you not open up the vault and let us have a look? Okay, and she just goes and, like, opens the door. Um, and through the door, you can just see piles and piles of gold and she's just kind of staring in shock like her brain is just like fried at this point now mrs cookie i want you to start paying these orphans their due wages <laughs> of course and feeding them <laughs> uh, fee- of course i f- feed them the but you said they were all adults who are these children are th- are they yours no, absolutely not. <laughs> Kate says, not the father. Nope. The question was good. The insinuation. Uh, I do not uh, have the equipment. <laughs> uh, are, are they? So these are, these are orphans. I do not know where they came from, but they uh, appear to have been recruited. Orphans? Yes, mister? How did you end up at this uh, orphanage? Well, I was sleeping in the woods, and another, um, this orphan here, um, her, her name's, her name's Oat, and she's pointing towards the baby Fearbolg, found me when she was doing her cookie run into the forest, and said that I could come here, and as long as I sold cookies, it would all be okay, and the Fearbolg just kind of waves, because she's still very mute, and then she, she points towards the baby fire Genasi, and she's like, and, and this is Ember. Um, she tried to fight us in an alleyway down by the docks, but we became friends. And I mean, w- w- as long as we sell cookies, with the, we got fed by Miss Forrest. Who, who is this? This would be Mrs. Cookie. Who is Mrs. Cookie? An upgrade, so to speak. <laughs> what does Mrs. Forrest look like? Oh, she was kind of a scary lady, but she had 
really weird skin, but I think she just had a medical problem um, or an illness. And she just, she was very scary and she stayed in the basement a lot. Is that where we are now? No, you're upstairs. Um, but you could assume she's talking about the room downstairs that had the sea hags. Gotcha. Hmm. Well, Mrs. Cookie, it appears that um, you are lucky enough to have a self-running business with employees that recruit themselves and generate profit that has filled up this vault. Now, uh, you may use this gold to your liking, but I would recommend you set up a an equal opportunity orphanage where... <laughs> Orphans can work if they want to, but they can also choose to develop themselves and and perhaps do some good for the for the city. Of, of course, um, girls. I just no more selling cookies. Let's just walk around and figure out what's going on. Do do you guys need compensation? Do I pay you? She's like still super confused. Boltzmann looks at Cade. He's not sure how this works. Mm-hmm. Typically, we get paid if there's a contract, but there was no contract for this. We just kind of fell into this. Yeah, I believe these orphans came to our door and asked if we wanted to buy cookies, and that's how we ended up here. Liberating your factory from sea hags. Tell you what, give us uh, give the guild like a, uh, you know, lifetime supply cookies, and I think we'll be good. Of, of course, um... And the little girl, like, tugs on her dress and goes, we we filled up a wagon outside. Um, they can just take that one. Miss Cookie just goes. <laughs> that works. Oh, okay. Uh, have a nice day. Well, Cade, it would seem that we have ourselves a matinee to catch. And now we go back to the theater and sell them all for a profit. <laughs> As you're, like, exiting the the orphanage, I guess Olive returns Minus two sea hags. Yep. All of you walk up and they're getting into the cart. I hop on the back. Olive! How did it go? Did they wreak havoc? Oh, they're they're in jail now. Yep. I just testified. There's, you know, there's truth spells. So you can just tell people what's going on. And if people are breaking the law, for example, murdering 17 children, you know, they're in jail. I see. Did you tell the authorities about the whale guard? I did. They're on it. Are you guys headed back towards the theater? Um, I would say it's about mid-afternoon now. Yeah, got us got some cookies to sell. I suppose there's a matter of Mrs. Upperton, but I feel like that kind of solved itself. Yeah, we still got a mean old lady to get killed. They'll be a lot cleaner now that they have not sea hags taking care of them. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose they were a little bit dirty. Like We can't fault her for <laughs> stating the truth. Stating the obvious. <laughs> that means we still have to burn down a different house, Cade. <laughs> We're going back to the theater, so how else do you free the ghosts? You know what I mean? You just you just get rid of the whole place and they're all free. <laughs> okay, with that, we are going to take our break today. We were joined by Olive. Bye. Cade. See ya. And Boltzmann. We did it. We saved some of the orphans. And exploded some hags. Before we send out, uh, we would like to say, if you like this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or your podcast platform of your of your choice. Uh, we love to read uh, reviews, and if you leave a good review, we'll read it on air. That's right. We will 
tell everybody the nice things you say about us. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. We hope that you're enjoying this episode of the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes.com. If you leave us a review, we'll read it on air. It's fun listening to the words of your review get read by the characters you know and love. So go to iTunes.com and leave us a review today. Can you think of someone who might enjoy this podcast? Please share it with them. Is their birthday coming up? A special anniversary? Would you like us to wish them a happy day on your behalf? You can arrange for us to read your shout-out on air at firebreathingkittenspodcast.com through our partnership with the website Buy Me a Coffee. Do you enjoy reading books? You can find paperbacks and ebooks based on our adventures on Amazon.com in the bookstore, Fire Breathing Kittens, that part's all one word, podcast. The authors do a great job of adapting the stories into fun novels. We also have official merchandise on redbubble.com. Imagine owning a notepad with the Fire Breathing Kitten logo on the front, or a t-shirt with one of your favorite characters. And lastly, I'd like to take a moment to sincerely thank all of you. We don't pay to advertise this show, so the only way we can grow is through the support of listeners like you. Thank you. Welcome back to the Fire Breathing Kittens. Today we are joined by Olive. Hey. Cade. How's it going? And Boltzmann. I have a will song stuck in my head. <laughs> I'm going to have you guys all roll a d20. And whoever is closest to the number in my head will be doing our summary. I got a four. <laughs> Three. Eleven. Cade, you are the closest. Nice. So let's see. Last time we went to a theater to try and assist there. But while we were on our way, we um, were stopped by some orphans trying to sell some cookies. Decided to help them out. Ended up selling out, going back to the orphanage to uh, pick up some extra cookies and learn that the orphanage was being run by sea hags. We managed to uh, take them out. Hopefully, hopefully set things straight at the orphanage. And we did not burn it down. (laughs) So I'm quite proud of everyone. And from there, we are leaving the orphanage and I believe heading back to the theater <laughs> to deal with some ghosties. Wonderful. Um, so you guys are headed back to the theater. Um, are you going to make any pit stops on the way or just headed straight there? Should we take a short rest? I'm at 10 hit points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe a long rest. It's probably only like noon right so can we sleep yeah. for until the 8 p.m show oh yeah we're not the ghosts don't come out to what midnight so back to the bar i mean in same thing we can take a long rest yes you can take a long rest <laughs> that is amazing olive pops off to her apartment that she shares with roommates marlo and remy they're not home they never are and she takes a quick shower and catnap. It's a, it's a long rest, right? Because uh, Boltzmann would, would teach these orphans a little bit about, about the fundamentals of running a business, but uh, I suppose he has to rest so you can go to the back to the guild hall with Cade and just have a, an alcoholic beverage. That sounds like a fine idea to me. 
Great. So Olive is going to her apartment and the other two are going back to the guild hall to drink. Who takes the cart with them that has all the cookies? <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, I suppose we do. That way we can sell them at the guild hall. Orphans, now join us to the fire-breathing kitchen's guild hall where I will instruct you in the fundamentals of running a business and you can take these cookies and leave them there until we go to the theater later tonight. Okay. Oh, wait, we're still toting the orphans around? (laughs) Are are you guys still going to take the orphans with you? (laughs) Or are you just going to leave them? They come with the cart. (laughs) Let's take a bunch of orphans ghost hunting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, yeah, you can take them. Um... Back, you're gonna take the orphans drinking. I'm not judging you, but I am a little bit. <laughs> um, okay, so you guys do your long rest. Um, I'm supposing you don't completely like you're, you're not giving the orphans drinks, right? Like, I can't make this clear enough. They are children. <laughs> no, but I am refilling my ring of spell storing. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else that you would like to do during your rest? I don't think I got hit by anything, so I'm good. Bullsman will get the children a lemonade. Okay, they get a lemonade. Olive, are you doing anything specific during your rest? Shower, sleep, return to bar. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, All right, so your rest is up, and all of you are gathered at the guild hall with the children and the cart. Do you head to the theater? And that's how you've been to run a business, children. Now let's go and see these theories acted out in, in, in practice at the theater. You will sell these cookies for a higher margin than you did before. Okay, mister. I guess we'll just be the concessionist at the theater. Didn't you say it was haunted? <laughs> Not for long. I believe the green room and the theater is haunted. Is the lobby haunted too? All right, just... Quickly use business standards to sell these cookies as fast as possible and get back to the to the orphanage and take care of, uh, of Mrs. Cookie. You just sell the cookies at the front door. You already have the cart there. You just sell them right out of the cart. That way you don't okay. actually have to come in the potentially burning building. <laughs> I mean, haunted building. Same thing. Great. <laughs> now, this is important, orphans. If the building catches on fire, run. This is the first principle of any business. If your business is on fire, you should run. Okay. Um, Second principle, if ghosts show up, run. <laughs> you guys all head to the theater. Um, and it's there's a few patrons outside getting tickets and getting ready to head inside the lobby um, when you guys pull up. And I'm assuming you guys just set up. Olive, do you give them another sign that says concessions or something with your sketchbook? Yeah, I'm getting much better at the curly Q script. I... Watch some people. You don't actually write the letters like you normally would. You gotta, like, come at it from the other side, you know, and it meets in the middle and it becomes the letter. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, So they look at you and they say, thank you for all your help today. And then the one little girl holds up a box of cookies and she goes, cookies for sale. Getting everybody's attention. Um, Do you guys go inside? Is anybody ignoring the children and just walking past, like, not buying cookies? Nope, they're all stopping by and buying cookies. These are very cute orphans. That's right, they are. They better be buying cookies. (laughs) Gonna be an intimidation check otherwise. (laughs) All right. Let's go in and and buy tickets for the the performance. Wonderful. Uh, You guys 
walk in and that same fire genasi is sitting there um, and she's checking tickets to get people into the theater and she says, oh, you're back. Wonderful. Uh, can you guys can stay and watch the show, I suppose, uh, if that's how it would be best to do your job. I'm not really sure how you guys do your job. So just tell me what you need. Where do the ghosts show themselves most often? It depends. Um, sometimes they're up in the rafters. Other times they're on stage. Or like I said, we did have a chandelier fall uh, <laughs> once. Uh, sometimes people just up and disappear from the audience. Um, they're kind of everywhere. It might be most effective if we joined the show ourselves. You, uh, you do that. I'm going to go search up in the rafters and try to keep an eye on things from above. Olive will sit in the audience. Look at that. <laughs> we got a person in each place. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so Somerset looks at you, Boltzmann, and says, I, I suppose um, tonight's kind of, our show is more of a, not a talent show, but a, a smorgasbord of performances um we've have lost quite a few people lately um so we are just kind of whoever would like to perform can perform uh what is your gimmick <laughs> a smorgasbord of performances you see i can get down with that uh i am a dancer in a machine's body uh, uh i'm a brain in a machine dancer's body so, uh, if you have any dancing performances I might join, or perhaps a solo performance to round off the evening, then I would be more than happy to provide my talents. If you would like to be our closer, you could be our closer. Or we also have a group performance. Um, oh, uh, well, I don't... They're all halflings. Um, you might <laughs> be a little tall for that. So how about we have you close? Hmm... I would like that in principle, but I am kind of wondering when the ghost will show up and if I w will get to my performance at all. Or we could perhaps have you open? Well, that was a question. When do the ghosts show up? About toward the end of the performance, or...? It's kind of random. I mean, we don't really notice when people disappear until the end of the show. Um, so, but you can stay backstage the whole time, if you would like. All right. I think it's wise to stay backstage the whole time and close off the show if there's no mortalities. Of course. Um, the backstage is that way, and she points towards a hallway leading off past the offices. Um, the other two, Cade, you said you were going up to the rafters? That's correct. That way I can keep an eye, like an overview of everything. Okay, is there a specific spot you're trying to sit in the rafters, like over the audience, over the stage? Uh, I'm just kind of going to patrol the whole area if I can. So wandering okay. around back and forth. And Olive, where are you sitting in the theater? I'm using makeup to paint eyes on my eyelids because I'm definitely <laughs> taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> you just took an eight-hour nap. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, after a nap, when you're the more tired than you normally are, it's like that. I guess persuasion or sleight of hand. <laughs> okay. Can I go sleight of hand? Because I'm drawing. I can't. I don't yeah, have a mirror. To see, 
to see how convincing your eyes are. Yay, monks. <laughs> so that is a 23. I'm so good at drawing eyes on my eyes. Blind, too. Uh, you do excellent. If you shut your eyes, people would think you're awake. <laughs> um, of course. Uh, all right. So you guys all go in and get into your spots. Uh, Boltzmann in the back, they do show you um, a room full of costumes if you happen to want to snag one. And um, Cade, up at the top, um, can you do a perception check for me? Sure. One moment. That is an 18. You notice on the one of the like catwalks that are up top, you notice a tool belt. And it's just sitting there, just a tool belt. That would be for a theater tech. Does it have any tools on it? Or is it just an, an empty tool belt? In fact, there are tools on it, and they are all tied to the tool belt. Nifty. If you'd like to do an investigation check, you can look at it closer. I would. Oof. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to tell me a whole lot. Um, that is an 11. Sweet. You just needed a 10. Um, so, on the inside of the tool belt... There is a name tag sewed in, and it's kind of faded, but it says Punnett Squared with like a little triangle. Um, so you could make the connection that this did belong to Punnett, who Olive told mm. you about earlier. Interesting. I uh, take the tool belt and put it on. It takes some adjusting because it was on a halfling. Um, oh, yeah. But Wrap it around my arm <laughs> or my leg. <laughs> Yeah, but you do eventually get it on. Um, as the show begins, the lights come up, smoke effects abound, and the first act comes on, and it's a comedy bit with a <laughs> puppet, um, and it goes decently well. The audience is not super impressed, Olive. You're getting the vibe of they're a little bit bored. Um <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, have you fallen asleep yet, Olive? <laughs> yeah, it's a puppet show, yeah. Okay. <sighs> the next act rolls up, and well, it is... Yes. See, I'm going to... Uh, while backstage, Boltzmann will ritual cast detect magic uh, to keep an eye out for Ghost as he's getting dressed in his costume. You, you actually sense illusory magic coming from the stage. Illusory magic coming from the stage. Can I tell any more? Um, it is from... It's on the floor, and it's about a three foot by three foot square. Do I see anything there? You do not. It just seems like a solid floor. Hmm. Okay. I will wait for now, but I'll keep an eye on that, on that illusion. Something invisible, perhaps? Yeah, I was... You, uh, that reminded me, I was going to say, while Cade's in, uh, investigating the area, he's probably casting it over and over again as well. Because he has, uh, what was it, Eldritch Sight, and cast uh, Detect Magic as many times as I would like. So I'm probably just rapidly casting it over and over. <laughs> uh, so you, what is the name of that magic? On Punnett's belt, you do get a little bit of, like, transportation magic portal magic going on um you get like a 
portally vibe off of it, but you also sense the same square down below you on the stage. Portally vibe from the belt itself or one of the tools on it? Just the belt itself in general. Like if portaling huh. was done by dust, it had been dunked in a bucket of dust. But I, I don't sense any way to activate it or anything like that? Nope. Hmm. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, Olive, are, are you having a good dream, Olive? Do you dream, Olive? Yes. Of fishes and <laughs> antelope. <laughs> Wonderful. You were talking about the second act, the Yes. Um, so the second act is just a monologue slash singing act. Very run of the mill. These acts aren't very impressive. Um, and you kind of get the vibe, Boltzmann, that these are for sure amateurs who got kind of yanked. You feel like some of them may or may not have gotten yanked off the street to perform. Um, as the night continues on, there's a couple more acts and then we hit the halfway point through all of them and we have the break and there's a break so everybody's kind of milling around backstage is there anyone you want to talk to boltzmann yes are you do you want to talk to any of the performers that are one or would you head back out to kind of meet with your teammates yeah none of them were particularly impressive right nope they were not it seems my my teammates are the uh the most valuable people here. Uh, I'll just go check on. I want to check. Go check on the orphans to see if they're still alive. If they ran away and see how uh, how Cade and Olive are doing. I saddle up to Olive. I roll up to Olive. I say, Olive. Yeah. Now that was some first half. Didn't you agree? Oh I, yeah, yeah. I uh, wake up. <laughs> what a. Uh, talented bunch of people. I mean, it was clear they were amateurs, but at least they loved what they did. Yeah, that was a good puppet. Yep. I remember none of the other acts. <laughs> <laughs> to wake up, I'll go outside with you as you check on the children. Okay. Do you signal Cade in any way to come with you to check on the kids, or do you just kind of leave them up in the rafters? Um, be pretty difficult to signal me, I'm, I'm assuming. It's difficult for Boltzmann to look up. Oh, I know. I lean back, and I tilt my head back, and I open my mouth all the way. And everybody runs out. Well, f when viewed from above, it's probably obvious. <laughs> all right. I see Olive trying to eat the air, and I'm like, yep, that sounds about right. Okay, so you all head out to check on the orphans. Um, when you walk out, the people are kind of milling about. Again, it's not a full house. Uh, but as you walk in front of the orphans, there is a line wrapped around the block for them. And they're just sitting there. And the little mute fear bulg is handing out cookies. And the little um, half-elf girl is saying, cookies for sale, cookies for sale, one gold piece, two gold. And you just notice that she's continuously upping her price the more mm. and more people that line up. There you go. That's how you run your business. Weaponize your cuteness. Take your talents and use them, shove them in people's faces. You are selling these cookies, young children, and soon you will be children no more. Are you looking well, for an investor? You. What's an investor? Never mind, I am flat broke. Good job. Again, run if there's a fire. We're ghosts. Okay, um, 
I think we did good. We're almost, I mean, we're kind of running out of cookies, but look at the pile of gold in our cart. And there's literally a mountain of gold in their cart. Someone's going to mug these kids. So I'll say, I'll hold on to that for you. And I will deliver this to you tomorrow at, you get out of school at like 4 p.m.? Yeah. All right. I'm going to stop by the orphanage tomorrow. I want you to count it and write down the number on a piece of paper, right? Teaching you to count math. Good. (laughs) And then I will deliver that exact number of gold to you tomorrow at four after you're off from school. But you have to go to school or you won't get the gold. Okay. I guess we can count it. And she points to the little fire Genasi girl and she starts going over there and counting each piece, um, which will take her the rest of the intermission because they are still selling cookies. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you would like to do for this intermission? I'll spend the rest of the intermission counting with the fire Genasi, showing her how to pile it up into groups of 10. If you lose track, you can just say, oh, this many groups of 10, you know, I don't know, kid shortcuts. And then by the end of the intermission, I'll be back in and I'll be carrying like 500 gold or something. I'm going to deliver it to them tomorrow at four. Okay. Yeah. I just don't want these kids to get mugged. So I won't leave them with the gold, especially not in pile format behind the children. <laughs> no, that's that's probably smart. Uh, Cade, mm. what are you doing for the rest of the intermission? Probably eating cookies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I uh, am showing the tool belt I found to Boltzmann and Olive. Thing, uh, look what I found. Oh, it seems to have some kind of teleportation magic attached to it. Can I uh, ritual cast the identify spell? Yes. What does identify do? I run it through my scanner. Uh, if it is a magic item or some other magic imbued object, to learn its properties and how to use them, whether it requires a human to use and how many charges it has, if any. You learn whether any spells are affecting the item and what they are. If the item was created by a spell, you learn which spell created it. So what you get from this belt is that the person wearing it, who you assume to be Punnett, um, and Olive, I'll give you this because the DC is really low because you've run into Punnett a lot. She does not leave her tool belt behind. Even when you threatened her, she does not leave her tool belt behind. Um, She's very attached to it. So it's very weird that it's by itself. Um, But you get the sense that that person was teleported to a different plane but the belt itself can't do anything. So it's like residual from her teleportation. Like she's after an accident? Gadzooks. Can I cast Dispel Magic on the belt? Yes, but the DM is going to whisper in your ear and say it's not going to do anything. All right. I just took a long rest. Yes, (laughs) you just get the vibe that it's not going to do anything um, because it's just residual on the belt. So she was poofed out of her belt. Interesting. Only her belt, though. <laughs> Does something seem strange about this fire, Ganassi? To either of you? The missing people and the accidents were happening before the fire Ganassi arrived. Punnett told me about them in the past. Yes, but Punnett disappeared, and this woman has suddenly taken her place running this theater. Mm-hmm. Yes, but is the woman the one that went out of her way to hire us in the first place? Indeed. I suppose it's nothing. Let's get back to our seats. Olive, at the end of intermission, you are amazed that the children actually have 
1,500 gold pieces on them. <laughs> wow. These kids are so smart. Yes, they've taken the business lessons to heart. <laughs> I will deliver this gold to them tomorrow. I'm going to keep it. I have a pink heart covered bag that I think will hold it. It will. All right. I put the gold in there. Oh, yeah, I also have a bag of holding if we need to use that too. That is what the pink heart covered bag is, I think. Gotcha. I'm mm. not sure. Yes. It at least yes. didn't devour the items that were in it previously, so. I have no items of any value except this body of mine, which is priceless. And a chimpanzee servant. <laughs> oh, Mr. Langley is not an item. He is my, my, my personal manservant, my testummy, my therapist. The list goes on. I, I treat him as my best friend. All right. Instead of falling asleep again in the audience, Olive's going to join Cade on the catwalk, getting there by running up the wall and then jumping onto the catwalk. Olive, you should be in the show, for sure. That's more impressive than anything I can do. Acrobat. No, this is an ability you have. It is. I can simply move up walls. Monk. Okay, you do that. <laughs> so the show goes on, and again, it's just... Amateurs, not super impressive, kind of, you know, again, they were like pulled off the streets. Um, and finally, we get to Boltzmann's performance and the stage manager is sitting there and, it f and they flip through their thing and they say, uh, Boltzmann dancing. <laughs> Boltzmann is really nervous. He's just rolling back and forth. He's like, oh, oh, that's my cue. That's my cue. And um, will cast Enhance Ability on himself to uh, give himself advantage on charisma checks. And okay. <laughs> and you're going to have to roll a performance check. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get Mr. Langley with the, with the tape deck. I'm going to put on a little song. <laughs> and... Boltzmann comes on stage, he's uh, tried to dress up a little bit, but this is the, the first performance in this in this supposedly dancer's body that he's ever done. And uh, he, he's not quite sure how to dress his up. Uh, he tried to put on a shirt, but the arms are basically above his head, right? So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it needs to be left open and he put on like a, a little top hat over his exhaust pipe and then a feather boa over the arm. The, the shirt is gold and frilly. And he will come up and say, um, Hello, everybody. I am Boltzmann, and I will dance for you tonight. Hit it! And uh, start dancing to this song. Boltzmann dances bachata. And that's a 15 and a 5. So 15 plus 3 is an 18. Wonderful. The <laughs> audience is super impressed. Would you like to describe the type of dance that you're doing? Oh, yeah. Boltzmann is just like shimmying across as, as, as well as it goes without any legs, right? <laughs> uh, it's just running across the stage in a, like an, uh, an, an eight motion. And then uh, it starts to uh, shoot uh, fairy fire into the sky. And uh, as a climax, um, sort of casts a fly on himself <laughs> and starts... <laughs> hovers up into the air uh, like little rockets pop out and he goes and he uh, fires up above the stage and starts doing his dance while while swerving around going topside and then takes a bow while in midair 
and comes crashing down. Wonderful. Everybody stands. You get a standing ovation and everybody claps. And then the curtain falls down. And Olive and Cade, if you could do a perception check for me. All right. Oof. Ten. Nineteen to look for ghosts. So, Cade, you don't see this. Olive, you see running on a catwalk across from you, Punnett. It's like a faded version of Punnett, waving at you desperately. I wave back. What? Oh, the podcast <laughs> can't see this. I'm waving. <laughs> uh, and it disappears running through the wall. Dun, dun, dun. I turn to Cade and I say, did you see Punnett just there? Uh, no. She ran through that wall. Have you been eating rotten food again? All the time. <laughs> if you say so. Which wall? I point to the wall and I can use my two rods. Uh, what are they called? Immovable rods. You can press the button and then like lift your arm with the other rod, press the button, release the button on your right hand, reach up. So I can like move along the wall. Because as a monk, by the way, if I stop running on a vertical surface, I just plummet. So, <laughs> immovable rods. <laughs> smart, smart. Uh, when you get over to the wall, it's it's just a wall. There's nothing special. Hmm. I say that to Cade. I return. I'm like, over there, the wall. It's nothing special over there. Hmm. I wonder. Just a basic wall? I don't know anything about magic, Cade. What do you think this could be? Yeah, I'm... I'm- Casting detect magic on it, and you say, I don't see anything special about the wall? Nope. Uh, doesn't appear to be a magical wall. Could always uh, make a hole and see what's on the other end. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. While you guys are making a wall, a shout comes from the crowd. And it's a man, and he's saying, my wife, my wife has gone missing. Is there an empty chair next to this man, or is he delusional? He is running around the theater in, like, the auditorium area trying to find his wife. Oh. So there could have been an empty chair next to him. Yes, there could have. Boltzmann, you are closest. You are behind the curtain. Do you go out and investigate? Um, I suppose so. Boltzmann uh, pushes away the the other performers. (laughs) and uh, goes out back into the stage to see what's up and he's also going to ride up to that that spot where he saw the magic happen and see if there's anything anything going on there do you roll on to that spot um can i touch it first I, I, I tell Mr. Langley, Mr. Langley, uh, would you please do me the others of of touching this here uh, position does he just reach out and touch it like he doesn't stand on it? He first he first reaches out. And if nothing happens, he will stand on it. Nothing happens when he reaches out and touches it. Hmm, perhaps try standing on it. He disappears. A trapdoor opens up and he disappears. Oh no! Mr. Langley has disappeared! Kate! Olive! And the trapdoor does slam shut behind him. Another person has disappeared! <laughs> How far up are we? You guys are like 
40 feet-ish up. Cade, take this ring. I hand you one half of an emerald ring pair. All right, I take it and I put it on my finger. Okay, it is a... Uh, I forget the exact item name. I'm going to look it up one second here, guys. I didn't... Sorry, it's a wedding band set, Cade. I'm not marrying you. (laughs) (laughs) Too late. Trying to sneak that by. (laughs) Okay, here is the official item info. It says, the empathy effect of the unity bands... Creatures attuned to this item set find themselves far more in tune with one another than they were prior to the bond. If the creatures take one minute to concentrate, they know the direction and distance to their partner, as well as their emotional and physical state, as long as they are on the same plane of existence for eight hours. So I'm like, hey, if you wear this ring with me, um, we're going to have to probably like attune to it. I don't know how long that takes. Um, it takes a, takes a long rest, I believe, and I can't attune to anything else. Oh, Okay, never mind. Well, so yeah. Well, you'd know if I went to a different plane. Hmm. We see Boltzmann hollering at a trap door, so I'm gonna uh, tap the skull hanging from my side and use the skull of Scopum to teleport to the uh, stage where the trap door is. Oh my! Now you say where the trap door is. Are you on top of the trap door or next to the trap? No, I'm like right beside it, like right next to it. You can attune during okay. a short rest, by the way. Oh, it's a short rest? Oh. I'm going to try to give it to Boltzmann. I'm going to be a sacrificial lamb and stand on this square, but I want you guys to know what direction I am. Oh, you got to get to the square first. Yeah. You're still up in the rafters. We're both on the stage looking at it. Well, so like the show's over and like at this point, we're just going to go through the portal, right guys? But DM, is this a physical trapdoor or did Mr. Langley uh, just pop into nothingness? It is a physical trap door. However, when he... Yes, but when he went down, he disappeared far quicker than what you think he would have. So, like, there was literally a hole in the floor, but then instead of, like, seeing him disappear as he passed through the hole, he disappeared. So, like, normally in, like, a normal stage, and your character would know this because they are performance... They've performed before. Like, if you have a trap door, it doesn't go very deep. It only goes, like, a foot and a half for the actors to hide in. This one just, like, you can see the bottom of it. So, arguably, he should be there, and he's not. Cade, go end the show, and we'll have that guy stay afterwards so that he can get his wife back. But, like, have everybody else leave the theater, and I'll go through the trap door. We just need an hour to Uh, do these rings, and then... But you guys should do that because I'm a crocodile and nobody likes me. I am a brain in a jaw. I don't think anybody likes me. <laughs> yeah. So you guys should, should I, uh, get everybody out of here. How are you going to empty the theater, Cade? Um, yeah, I'm going to uh, <laughs> use my backgrounds ability. I'm just going to look at everybody and just say, uh, everybody except him, I need you to leave right now. And as long as they're normal people, they are uh, kind of, uh, what is it? What's the word? Uh, Frightened. Yeah, yeah, frightened more or less. Okay, the theater clears rather quickly. Um, They're not sure if you're the bad guy or the good guy, but they are gone. And that poor man is standing there still looking for his wife. If we're going to take an hour to take a short rest... uh, 
Yeah, Boltzmann, here's a ring. I'm not marrying you. <laughs> Thank you, Olive. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the ring. I uh, suppose it's uh, it's not a an emotional gesture, but it's meaningful nonetheless. <laughs> I uh, I appreciate that you you chose me to to partner with, even if it's not in marriage. I've I've never been married. Uh, it does mean it does mean a lot that you you give me this ring. So thank you. You're welcome. And I would never cheat on Richard. So, but I haven't. I we don't know one another well enough for me to give him these yet. So I'm just kind of holding on to them <laughs> until then. Uh, but so after well, an, that's an unusual arrangement. But whatever works for you. <laughs> after an hour, we are officially unity banded. Woo! And uh, just to read the effect again. If you take a minute to concentrate, you can know the direction and distance to your partner as long as they're on the same plane. So I intend, as, as well as my emotional and physical state. So if I'm dying, you'll be able to tell. <laughs> so I'm about to go through this trapdoor, and you'll know if I died. Sound good? As part of this short rest, uh, can I take 10 minutes to ritual cost identify on this trapdoor? Yes, and since it is going to take an hour, does Cade want to interview the distraught man? Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. I was going to ask him where he, where his wife was when she disappeared. Okay. Um, do you just kind of stop him from pacing? Do you sit him down? I stop him from pacing. I put my hand on his shoulder and just looking at him and said, "Where was she when she disappeared?" She was. She was. He's panicking, and he's like. She was sitting right next to me, and this this was all her idea to come to the show, and I told her we shouldn't because of the ghost, but she said it was ridiculous, just like those orphans that come to our door trying to sell cookies. Um, she, he just, she was just gone. Um, I swear I didn't do anything. She just was there, and then she wasn't. Where were you sitting? We were sitting there, and he points kind of to the front row, far right, um, audience Stage right. Far stage right. Um, which would be left from the audience. Um, so I walk to their seating and cast Detect Magic. Do I see anything? You detect more of the portaling magic. Hmm. Sir? Yes? What's your name? I'm Mr. Upperton, of course. Hmm. <laughs> I know what wife we're not looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Do you say that out loud? <laughs> I say, uh, sir, I, uh, I hear your wife is possibly not a very pleasant lady. Could somebody, um, maybe be out to get her? Well, of course, she's a little rough around the edges. Uh, what rich woman isn't, uh, but I wouldn't <laughs> foresee anyone wanting her to be. He does not like his wife. You are getting the vibe that he does not like his wife. <gasps> Why did he miss her so much? <laughs> Can I do an insight check on why he would, like... Yes. She's the rich one. He's not. 19? Why would you desperately search for someone you don't like? Do you ask him that? I did a 19 insight check, and I just think about his facial expressions. Okay. Um. So as you're looking at him trying to discern this, you kind of notice that his suit seems a little off. Like it was put on by somebody who's not used to putting on suits and finery. So you get the vibe that um, he may or may not be a sugar baby of sorts. So <laughs> if his wife disappears, then so does his money. 
How does marriage work in this world? Okay, all right. Well, you get two magical bands and you take a short rest to attune to them. And you keep separate bank accounts and if they disappear, you're screwed. Uh... Man, why didn't you get one of these magical wedding bands? You wouldn't know where she is right now. Honestly, like if he doesn't like her very much, maybe it's all for the best that they have separate bank accounts. I... Um, so I, Olive says nothing. <laughs> Do, oh, hmm. um, how's the ring progress? Uh, you're about, I would say like 30 minutes-ish in to your hour. Okay, she takes a nap, but it looks like she's awake. <laughs> okay, uh, Kate, do you have any other questions you want to ask before we hop over to Boltzmann and... I, uh... Grab this guy by his shoulder again. And just look at him and say, did you have anything to do with your wife's disappearance? Or do you know anything about it that you're not telling us? And I say it in a demanding, mean tone of voice. So intimidation? Yes, ma'am. Do I need to roll? Yes. 25. He is sufficiently intimidated. Um, he kind of looks around and he goes, you, you may think I'm crazy, but I swear there was another woman sitting next to us, and she is gone too. But I, of course, was only looking out for my wife. Um, she was she was such a beautiful woman, I only took my eyes off my wife for a second. <laughs> Does the wife have two sugar babies? What'd she look like? And did she disappear too? Um, she, yeah, she looked like an elven woman, of course. Um, just like my wife, but... And if you tell her this, if you happen to find her, she may kill me. But way prettier and had such a kinder face. You sly dog. Cade's like, now nah, I really want to find this lady. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. You said the trap door, it seems like it's deeper than it should be kind of thing. So the things that you know about the trap door, you sensed illusory magic, um which you can assume was to hide the trap door from the audience. When it opens up, Boltzmann got a view and could see the bottom, but when his servant fell in, his servant disappeared. So he should have been there, but he wasn't. Mm -hmm. So either he was teleported or the bottom itself is an illusion. Perhaps he was hmm. transported into the ethereal plane. Are you done questioning? Yeah, I believe I'm done with this guy. I, uh, Forcefully tell him to sit and wait while we go look about the place and to not go anywhere. Okay, and he just sits in a chair that's next to him. Um, Boltzmann, you were casting. Identify the same spell I cast in the tool belt. Should I read it again? Uh, you just basically know everything about a magical object, don't you? Um, I know whether any spells are affecting it, what they are, and uh, if the item was... Was, if the item was created by a spell, you learn which spell created it. If it is a magic item or some other magic imbued object, you learn its properties and how to use them, whether it re requires attunement to use and how many charges it has, if any. Um, You notice that from that spell, you get a... I want to say it's... Let me pull up the right page. It is the spell Gate has been cast on this trapdoor. 
Indeed. A very powerful magic spell has been cast here. Ah. Something beyond my own capacity. Oh. Well, I'm going to tie this end of the rope around me. Here's the other end. Anything else? <laughs> Olive, yeet into danger. I'm not sure if that's how gate works. I like your style, Olive. Let's go. No, you stay. <laughs> Good we clarified that beforehand. Actually, I'm going to tie this around like a part of the stage. Something like a hold fast that's pretty close to the trap door. That way I don't pull anyone in with me. There's like set um, bolts and stuff you can tie stuff to. Excellent. I tie one end of the rope to that. I tie the other around my waist and I hop through the gate. Before, before Olive does that, I'm going to use a fifth level slot to cast Fly on all three of us, which lasts for ten minutes. Okay. Thank you. Um, do you stand on the portal, Olive, or on the trap door? I do. It opens, and you fall through and disappear. And the rope goes taut. Um, so Cade and Boltzmann, you cannot see her. Um, and the door is going is going to be shutting, and I would suggest maybe you get the feeling that the rope could potentially be cut by the door shutting. Um, but while you puzzle through that problem, Olive, you are in a basement. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait! Don't tell me where I am. The first thing I want to know is if Boltzmann thinks I'm in a different plane. Boltzmann is concentrating on on his wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, um, you are missing the visual. He's looking at it like a lady looks at her ring when she's just gotten engaged. <laughs> um, so something interesting happens. Boltzmann, you feel her disappear like she's on a different plane, but then she reappears back in like she's on the same plane. A double gate. Interesting. Is the rope still, uh, is the ro has the rope snapped? It has not snapped yet. I will give you a reaction if you would like to try to stop it. I was going to say I jam my, the butt of my spear in the door. Strength check? I'm going to... Or some kind of check? If you can justify um, something else to me, I will I, let you roll it. Can I make an athletics check to hold the door open? Yes, you could do that as well. I'm going to use my armor oh, of works. magical strength to add my intelligence to this. Oh, and I have a four plus nine... So that's a 13. What did you roll, Cade? Well, it depends. If I'm doing an athletics check, it would be a 17. Okay, so, um, Boltzmann, you reach down to stop it, and you slow it down in time for Cade to jam hit the butt of his spear in there to kind of wedge it open, and you guys successfully have it open, so Olive is... Her rope has not been cut. What do you do next? Do you two do anything, Next. Uh, I would like to bend down and see if I could rip the door off its hinges. Strength check. Not going to be good. Ooh, 17. It takes a little bit of doing because um, it is, you know, a very strong door. But you do manage to take it off its hinges. There we go. Excellent work, Kate. Say if nothing else, I'll turn my weapon into an axe and just hack it to pieces. How is Olive doing? Uh, do I notice anything about the ring, Olive? Oh, yeah. So I sent the stats in the chat. He can tell my direction and distance, as well as my emotional and physical state. What does he sense? 
Uh, it's up to you, uh, I guess. Um, <laughs> your emotional you, state. <laughs> you sense that she is about 50 feet, 50 feet underneath you. Um, Olive, you are in a basement in the dark, hanging from a rope about, you know, three feet off the ground. And you are now face to face. Well, not face to face. In one corner is a displacer beast. And in the other corner is a ridiculously beautiful looking woman. I don't have dark vision, so so I imagine I light a torch and I see a displacer beast. I do light a torch. If you have... Okay, if you light a torch, then yes, you do see the displacer beast and the very beautiful woman in the corner. Okay, I don't know what a displacer beast looks like. Can you describe one to me? Yes, I can. They are a awesome. A displacer... I mean, yes, but also... Where did it go? I had it pulled up so I could describe it. Okay. A displacer beast looks like a panther with six legs very sharp teeth, a tail, and two tentacle appendages that have teeth on them sprouting from its back. And they are not nice at all. So it's growling at you. Okay. And describe the beautiful woman. Uh, She is, to you, she looks to be an elven woman with blonde hair and bright blue eyes. And she has a very, she's smiling in a friendly way, but in like a I might eat you friendly way. Um, Like she's excited you're there, but you get the vibe that it's not the reason you want it to be. Um, And she's wearing what you would assume Olive to be a very expensive gown. Um, And she is just sitting on a chair, just kind of smiling creepily at you. The emotional state that you receive is that I'm a little scared. I'm a little attracted. I'm a little freaked out. It's not like a, it's not a happy place. (laughs) Doesn't seem like Olive's change. Olive's mood changed much at all. <laughs> uh, hmm. She's I'm... a little bit more scared than usual. Perhaps we should we should jump in. Yeah, I'm down for it. Uh, that... So I I call back, pull me out, <laughs> and I start climbing. Oh, I fly! I you, fly you up through fly. the hole. <laughs> okay. Um. Dexterity check, I guess. To to fly yourself through the hole. Oh, so I don't like smack into the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. That's when I get the natural 20 tonight. Oh, nice. Yes, you do fly straight up the hole and back out through the portal. You have a strap yeah, yeah. on pixie dust powered uh, rockets, by the way, is how you're flying. <laughs> there was a panther and it had tentacle wings and there was an attractive lady but i think she wanted to eat me which is really weird because i'm a crocodile who wants to eat a crocodile oh olive i feel completely different now that i have this enhanced empathy i'm very scared as well what's going on here Hmm. do you think that those people killed mrs upperton we can only hope the funniest part is you really mean it (laughs) i mean 
saves us from having to go all the way to our house to do it. <laughs> <laughs> did you see Mr. Langley at all in there, Olive? I did not. No, no. We must go in and take care of the situation. Should we fight him to death to avenge Punnett? I mean, you don't know if anything happened to Punnett. You're the only one that saw her. So... Do we know about displacer beasts like how people know about grizzly bears? Roll me animal handling or nature. Not arcana? Or arcana would work here too. Those are all negative ones for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I got a natural 20 on arcana for a total of uh, 33. (laughs) I, uh... Nice. I rolled an 18, actually, but their head switch is 17. <laughs> 17 animal handling. Heck yeah. Uh, so, Olive and Cade, you're like, these are from the Feywild. The Fey drove them out. They're really bad. They will probably eat me. Boltzmann, you know that. I had this one of these as a creature... pet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could have. Um, it's a predator from the Feywild that is called a displacer beast because it can displace light so it appears to be several feet away from its actual location. Um, And it came from the twilight lands of the Feywild until they were captured, trained, and ran out. So yes, they could have been a pet. Um, And they are not friendly, so it's about like keeping a tiger in your house. All right. Let us go in there and... Solve this problem. Olive, did the did the flight help at all in this situation? Yes. Then let us jump in at once and make sure this doesn't happen again. Alright, let's go kill him. Are you all jumping in? Yes. I'm debating. You said it, it it's a portal, but it, essentially, but it it still takes us essentially downstairs in the building we're in. Yes. I could theoretically use Dimension Door to sneak up on him. Eh. Cade's not that smart. He just jumps in the hole. <laughs> okay. You all jump in. Um, you do go through the portals and you end up... Olive, are you still tied to your rope? Yes. Okay. Olive ends up <laughs> hanging three feet from the floor. <laughs> the rest of you land on the floor. Um, but you're fine. It's not going to hurt you landing on the We're floor. We're flying, the so... Right, yeah, so you're fine. But Olive, if you're not going to cut yourself from your rope, you are technically, when you're done, just hanging. Do um, I have enough rope to be able to, like, combat? Because this is kind of fun. And she's like a kite right now. <laughs> she's just, like, zipping around tied to a rope that's linked to the ceiling. Um, flying a confusing I... pattern, everybody! <laughs> yeah. So the room's, like... 15 feet tall so i get like if it comes towards you for sure yeah i i have 50 feet of rope so i will give you 20 feet of movement on that rope all right (laughs) how wide is the room so it's 15 feet tall and it's probably like 30 feet across no 40 feet across i know how big a stage is um 40 feet across and like 60 feet long Mm, no, 40 feet long. Yeah, untie the rope. Gotta be able to reach my opponent. I am a punch girl. I need to punch. So we're all flying near the ceiling or we're 
Are we on the floor? Do you want to land, or would you like to stay flying on the 15-foot ceiling? Boltzmann would prefer to stay flying. Okay. Cade? I'm going to, like, hover. Cade is, uh, he's still flying, but he's just barely hovering, you know, a couple inches off the ground. Okay. Olive is running along the underside of the ceiling. (laughs) You do get to do that. Um, Gotta love monks, man. Gravity doesn't count. So as you guys come in, uh, the displacer beast growls at you. You do see that your servant is in the corner, kind of cowering, but it would have been like behind where Olive was hanging. So she just literally didn't see him before she flew out. And then the woman stands up and says, well, not the dinner I was expecting tonight, but you'll do. Did you eat punnet? Oh, that dreadful little... Thing. No, of course not. I'm just siphoning off her life force. Not very much of me is edible at all. Oh, mm. We could find other uses. Cage is going to be like, yeah, about that. It's not going to work for us. Well, it is an eat or be eaten world, I suppose. And she whistles and says, sick em, boy. And we're going to roll for initiative. <gasps> Why don't you just go to the grocery store or eat cats like I do? <laughs> Because that would be cannibalism. Oof. Fourteen. Nine. Twenty. Every time I say oof, Olive rolls something that's like half of my roll, so it (laughs) always makes me feel a little bit better. (laughs) Okay, so the order is... Okay, first up is Boltzmann. Hmm. I'm gonna go out on a limb and cast Dispel Magic on this woman. Uh, read to me what that does. I will... Choose one creature, object, or magical effect within range. Any spell of third level or lower on the target ends. For each spell of fourth level or higher on the target, make an ability check using your spellcasting ability. The DC equals 10 plus the spell's level. On a successful check, the spell ends. Um, do I roll? I roll this check, right? Uh, you can. It's I get plus five to the roll because of my intelligence. Yeah, no, she definitely fails. Um, when you cast that, You see her kind of stumble, and she just looks at you and says, Well, I suppose you could cut me off from my power. That still doesn't mean I'm not going to eat you. Aha! He's a brain in a jar. Why would you eat him? We're not tasty. (laughs) I'm not a pickle to be eaten. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is that the end of your turn? Uh, did, did she? Did her looks change or anything? Nope. Boltzmann is still in his dancing regalia, obviously, so he's going to uh, start his blade song again. <laughs> and in an extravagant pattern, we'll dance uh, along the ceiling. And that's uh, going to be the end of my turn. Okay. Cade, you are up. How close am I to the displacer beast? Uh, you guys are about 40 feet apart. Mm, 30 feet. Nice. I'm going to try to end this quickly. I'm going to run up to it using my 30 feet of movement. And as soon as I enter combat, as soon as I get within range, I get the attack of opportunity. And that is a 13 to hit. Uh, Meet it to beat it. You do hit it. Sweet. For nine damage. Then... I'm going to 
<laughs> Please hit. Yes. 14 to hit. Yep. With, what is it called? Banishing Smite, um, which is 5d10 force damage. Wow. That does. Two, three, four, five. Sorry, that is 36 plus 12, 48. Total of 56, I believe. 56. And then I get a Thirsting Blade attack as well. Which rolls an 11 and misses. Okay. Um, you um, also, whale. Sorry. Um, if the target is now below 50 hit points, it's banished to a different plane of existence. Which plane are you banishing it to? <laughs> if the target is native to a different plane of existence than the one you're on, the target disappears, returning to its home plane. If the target is native to the plane you're on, the creature vanishes into a harmless demiplane. While there, the target is incapacitated and remains there until the spell ends. So these are native to the Feywild. So it disappears back to the Feywild. So you have... Banish the displacer beast. Woo! It is That's gone. amazing. Great job, Cade! It's amazing, Cade. And I used the ring of spell storing to do it, so I still have my spell slots, which is like a whopping three. So, you know. <laughs> Small victories. It is. Right. So the beast is gone. Um, the woman looks very pissed off, and she's like, you know what? And she... I just look at her and it's like, going... I told you it wasn't going to sit well with us. Should have listened. And she's going to look at you, Cade, and say, Neil, and I need you to make a wisdom save. Lucky for me, my wisdom modifier is zero. <laughs> I rolled a nine. Okay, you are charmed. Um, uh, I, so... wait, I have advantage against charmed. Okay. So, what is that? Uh, Thirteen. You still fail. So you're still charmed for one day. So at the end of your turn, you can repeat the saving throw. Um, But for now, you kneel because you listen to simple verbal commands um, that won't kill you. So you are kneeling on the floor. And that is her turn. Um, Next up is Olive. Olive runs to the lady along the ceiling. Yeah. I have a movement of 50 feet, so I can probably run to her, right? Yes. I punch her in the face for a 20 to hit for 13 damage. That for sure hits. Was that a dirty 20? Yes. Okay. Yep, that hits. Uh, What else do you do? A second punch for a 12 to hit and 6 damage. The 12 misses. Okay. And then I've got this thing that says stunning strike. When you hit with a melee weapon attack, you can spend a key point. So I do that. Please make a constitution saving throw. Okay. Um, what is her con? Does a 14 do it? My key save DC is 15. You are stunned, which means you can't move. You can speak only falteringly. You can't take actions or reactions. You automatically fail strength and dexterity saving throws. And attack rolls against you have advantage. Uh, and that lasts until the end of my next turn, which means that you're going to get hit with a lot of natural 20s between now and the end of my next turn. <laughs> Amazing. 
Does her being stunned cancel the charm effect? You know, technically it doesn't say that it does. Is it a concentration it spell or is it not? It oh, doesn't yeah. say that's concentration, but it would make sense that it would end. So I don't think you can, it ends. Yeah, you're con- incapacitated, so you can't concentrate. Right. So just it'll end. So Cade, on your next turn, you can stand up from kneeling, but you're s- still stuck in kneeling position till your next turn. Um, so after that, it'll be. Is that the end of your turn, Olive? That is. I uh, wiggle my hips in a familiar handcuff gesture. <laughs> Boltzmann, you are next. And if, by the way, Boltzmann, you've seen me apply these handcuffs before, so you know that you can take them off my belt and apply them to her if you would like, and then that would make her unable to uh, basically do anything. We can we can beat her to death in the handcuffs if you want, or we could ask her questions. Yeah. Is that possible, DM? Can I? I was going to point something out. My banishing smite. If I'm charmed, I do believe that cancels my concentration. Which brings the Displacer Beast back. It's not banished forever. It's banished until the spell ends, and it is a concentration spell. I don't think Charmed end, ends your concentration. Does it not? Okay. No, I don't think it does either. Because you could still concentrate on it. Your body just does what she wants it to. Um, not a bad uh, thing. DM, since a Boltzmann is currently uh, feeling overly empathetic toward Olive... <laughs> Uh, is it possible <laughs> for him to channel his emotional connection, uh, rush forward, grab the dimensional shekels from her hip, and put the lady in them? Yes, that could be your action. Yes, it takes an action to use the dimensional shackles. You also must yeah. say the names of the people who can free the person from the dimensional shackles when you apply them. Yep, so if you want to use your action to do that, you definitely can. And Boltzmann will do that uh, and shoot a glance at Olive. You can't make out his facial expression because he doesn't have a face. <laughs> uh, but it's a very meaningful moment. He grabs the handcuff and gently uh, puts them around this lady's wrist and says, You're going to prison. Um, and with that, uh, I guess... The fight is over because she can't fight anymore. However, how long does that disappearing spell last, Cade? It only lasts one minute. We can okay, see. beat her to within an inch of her life in that minute if you want to fast forward the gruesomeness of that. But she's now very much... Cause it, so the thing about the handcuffs is like all attacks just- made against an incapacitated person are at advantage. So I'm going to yeah. do four attacks per turn. <laughs> For a minute. Yes. Um, so my reasoning bringing that up is, are you going to kill her or are you going to beat her with an inch of a life and threaten her to keep her beast at bay? The second. Myself. Okay. Personally. Also, Boltzmann did not say Olive, so I can't let her out. And I let her know that. I didn't going to say Olive Gade and Boltzmann. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Boltzmann said as he, as he uh, wished past, Olive... Gade and Boltzmann. <laughs> okay. And then the way that um, hitting so, an incapacitated and prone person works, like, hey, in real life, never let anyone kick you in the head when you're laying on the ground. Serious. Like, because <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's brutal. So I can do, I have advantage to hit. It's 
just awful. Do you want the math on this? I do four attacks nope. per turn. I have a D8 plus five. <laughs> nope, nope. Um, we're just going to say you guys beat her within an inch of her life. Um, <laughs> she very hurt. But keep her conscious enough. <laughs> so when the spell ends and the displacer beast comes back... Um, Baltimore will polymorph it into a kitten. <laughs> that would work as well. <laughs> is it a displacer beast kitten so you could raise it as a pet? Or is it just like a normal kitten? <laughs> yeah, it's a displacer beast kitten, of course. Because... I think you Boltzmann has seen potentially a an actual fire breathing kitten around the guild's halls. So collecting strange kittens is and cats is kind of also a pastime of the guild. Uh, and I suppose uh, the fire breathing kittens guild has a new pet. How long does it stay polymorphed? <laughs> Polymorph lasts an hour, and you get a wisdom saving throw. <laughs> yeah, you get a do get a wisdom saving throw. <laughs> Just keep it polymorphed. You could go find somebody that knows true polymorph. Yeah. Afterwards, if that's your plan, to keep it as a kitten. Or we could make a displacer cloak. We could have a pet displacer beast. I like that it's a pet. I wish it wasn't working for a lady that ate people. You could just threaten her into giving you ownership of the beast. Um, so... That'd be great. Here, Here's, here's your option. So you threaten her, she calls off the beast... Are you demanding she hands over the beast? Or what are your demands now that you have her? Let's role play. Yes. I punch her in the face. I punch her in the face again. I repeat this until she passes out. I do this non-lethally. <laughs> <laughs> then I feed her a potion or I do a medicine check. I guess if you'll let me do a medicine check, I'll save my potion. And when she comes to, I say, call off your beast. I feel such rage through this ring. <laughs> As she looks at you, she says, Down, boy. Uh, okay. You could just let me go. And you can tell she's trying to like be charming about it. I punch her in the face again, non-lethally. And then we fly up out of the hole. Yeah? <laughs> well, uh, before doing that, we should probably demand she tell us, you know, where all the missing people are. Oh, I wake her up again. <laughs> uh, Where are all the missing people? Where's Punnett? I miss her so much. Deception check? <laughs> are you lying? <laughs> that was a lie. That was a lie. Oh, it's strange. 19 minus 1 is 18. She believes you're missing her. Uh, she goes, I didn't think Punnett had any friends. That's why I targeted her. She doesn't. They're all upstairs in in one of the props closets. What? Why? Well, I'm I'm a succubus, of course. I feed off their energy, and Punnett was such an easy target. She was so sad. So, you know, she killed her, her sister's fiancé, right? Like, she killed somebody. Out of negligence and, you know, incompetence, not... Intentional homicide, yeah. I'm feeling bad for so, Punnett. I feel a little sad and bad for Punnett. She continues on and she says, So I make them relive the worst days of their lives and their worst fears over and over and I feed off their suffering. I'm, I just, I just, I'm trying to live, man. Shall we huddle up? I think I could probably find you a good job at the prison. <laughs> yeah. We've got some sea hags you can feed off of. Yeah, really. 
Got some sea hags you could feed off of forever. Tell you what, you trade us your displacer beast, and we'll get you a job in the prison feeding off sea hag sadness. What do you think? Okay, just please stop beating me. Oh yeah, I've stopped hitting her at this point. Under one condition, <laughs> you gotta give me your number. <laughs> been a long time since someone actually charmed me you know so kind of liked it a little poor Kate uh, she just kind of looks at you guys and is like okay and like kind of gestures with her cuffed hands and is like I, writing um, I, I guess I could tell you uh, and then she like lists off her, her spell phone number um <laughs> <laughs> like, can we go now? Spell phone. That's fantastic. Oh god, what's her name? We never did. We ever get her name? Uh, her name. Um, her name was Monty. Monty. That's cute. Boltzmann, would you like a pet displacer beast? I would love a pet displacer beast. <laughs> if only I'm trying. I'm trying to pet it, but it's not here. <laughs> <laughs> The, the succubus Monty looks at you and she says if I'm going to jail I suppose you could have the beast did she like is just like be nice to them boy and he comes up and like rubs up against you like a cat as you guys free everybody from where they're kind of magically frozen in the closet Punnett wakes up and she says Olive I knew you would come and save me I knew you really didn't hate me I kick her in the head mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't hug me. Oh, oh, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> Apparently you do hate me. Um, and you free everybody. And you... <laughs> but it gets punished. <laughs> I have very clear loyalty lines. And people who kill their sister's fiancé don't fall within the box. <laughs> that's, that's fair. What about guys that date succubuses? Does that fall in the box? Did the succubus actually kill anybody? No. Yeah, she's fine. See? Just, Sweet. Just kidnapped. Yeah. Um, as you guys walk out, the new owner, Somerset, that fire genasi, she looks and she says, did you solve the problem? Did you get rid of the ghosts? Indeed, we did. I high five Boltzmann's mechanical arm. We're just going to take this succubus to the police. Look at our cool new pet. Bye. Oh, Punnett's back. You may uh, want to fire her. She missed a lot of work. Noted, but here, here's your gold, and she hands you a sack with 21,000 gold pieces. Oh, my. Uh, have a nice day. And you guys go, and you put the succubus in jail with her job, and you now have your gold and your dis- pet displacer beast. Oh, to clarify, I would like to petition the cops to employ her. Yes, that is successful. They do believe you, especially since you brought in children eating sea hags. They are happy to help. Because um, I just feel bad for the succubus who's just trying to eat. So here's a solution. Um, yep, you do that. The police are just like, yep, it's all of whatever she wants. And that is our adventure for today. We were joined today by Boltzmann. A day in the life of a fire-breathing kitten, saving orphans. <laughs> Killing sea hags and charming succubi. <laughs> also, I got up and danced. <laughs> Cade. Oh, thanks for joining us. Have a good one. 
and Olive. <laughs> I kicked her in the head. That was great. <laughs> hey, wait, do I still have her tool belt? <laughs> yeah, you do, actually. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, bye. 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 <laughs> In 1961, the Fantastic Four returned from space and the world changed forever. Over the next year, the Earth experienced three alien attacks, the destruction of lower Manhattan, and the reemergence of ancient gods. Super Serious 616 is the podcast that covers it all from the inside. What would it be like to live in that world? Join Ed and Mike as they ask questions no one else is asking. Is Iron Man a good use of shareholder capital? Subscribe at Super Serious 616 or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoy conversations about true ghost stories or a good fictional scary story, True Hauntings and Scary Stories is the podcast for you. Our odd-numbered episodes are conversations about anything paranormal between my sister and I, or sometimes a guest host. Our even-numbered episodes are me reading my own fictional scary stories. Search for True Hauntings and Scary Stories on any major podcast app or visit truehauntings.com for more info.